at Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you guys doing today? Happy Thursday. Yeah. Happy what do you got for us this morning? What's in the headlines? Yeah. Okay. So um, first up, we have um, an announcement that Chief Officer Jennifer Ahern has been moved um, from her previous ministry, which was the Ministry of Sustainability and Climate Resilience. Um, <clears throat> allegations that this is a political move. Hmm. Uh, yes. So we'll see how that pans out for the current government. She's been um, in her current role since 2021, since a new government went in. And um, most interestingly enough, she's kind of like the government um, point person for the Regen Waste Management uh, Project. So as you guys know, this is a pretty massive project covering um, you know several decades, I think, <laughs> in terms of the entire project. Uh, yeah, and they're trying to get it kicked off for tw- a 2027 deployment. But these constant changes you know, could mean unnecessary delays. So we'll see. All right, so yesterday, the Grand Court of the Cayman Islands had its official opening. Every year they do this. Um, it's ceremonial, but it's also an opportunity for the community at large and um, the judiciary, you know, different sectors of the judiciary to find out more about what the courts have been up to. So the DPP's office, for example, gives a report. The um, attorney general gives his report. Um, the Bar Association gives their report. And then, of course, the Chief Justice um, speaks as well. So this would be her first uh, grand opening where she's had like an entire year. Because remember, she got in a few months, I think, before the last one, right? So she gave a report about all the things that they have been doing, what they're planning on doing, and also saying to the government that it's time to modernize the courthouse and they need new and better facilities. So we're going to take a deep dive into that a little bit later on in the program. In that police news, they have reported that shots are fired through a window of a Bodentown residence. Yeah, pretty crazy. So um, they have indicated, I mean, last couple of nights seems like a lot's been going on. But they yeah, said- I was going to say what happened, like there was that and then there was that issue at uh, in around Vine and Taft. Yeah, so that was December 23rd. Okay. So it's just that we're now just seeing the video. Mm. Um, we had on Tuesday night a shooting incident in uh, Windsor Park where a gentleman was injured, but not life-threatening. And so he's in the hospital recovering. And then this one was early yesterday morning, early Wednesday morning, um, in the vicinity of Lower Valley residential area. So this is kind of crazy. But they're saying that it was reported that around 1 a.m., there was a noise that sounded like a gunshot. It woke up an occupant of the residence who was asleep at the time. And um, the occupant observed a bullet hole in his wall and ceiling of wow. the bedroom where he's sleeping. Wow. Now, my, my unofficial sources have told me to connect the dots between illegal gambling and this incident. I'm Ooh. just saying. Yes, mystery deepens. Hmm. Okay. So um, BVI is calling for an emergency meeting um, of the overseas territories after the governor there is seeking additional powers. So they're in a hot mess of a situation. A little bit of regional news here. But um, yes, they are looking for the other OTs to maybe step up and help them. I'm not really sure. But the premier of their country, Dr. Natalia Wheatley, has requested an emergency Caribbean Overseas Territories caucus meeting after Governor John J. Rankin, interesting last name, requested additional powers from the UK government um, over BVI in order to make decisions in areas of governance 
normally devolved to the elected arm of government. And um, there have been some concerns there, um, including in 2020, the governor called for the suspension of the government after then premier, you guys might remember this, Andrew Fahey was arrested in that U.S., um, in the U.S. on drug-related charges, remember? Mm. I remember yeah. that story. Yes, all tying itself together. One final tidbit, pedestrian injured in a collision in um, Church Street. Um, thankfully, they're okay. But yes, they were just walking, minding their own business, and a vehicle somehow lost control. Um, a Honda truck, uh, one of those um, pickup, little pickup trucks. Yeah. And it lost control and collided with both her and a wall. Thankfully, Probably, no, on, probably on the phone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, non-life-threatening injuries. That's mm. it. That's what I got for you today. All right. I got a little kicker for you. Sure. Since you don't have one, Sandy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, some days. <laughs> have you guys heard that there's going to be an Olive Garden opening in Cayman? I, no, what? But this is round two for Olive Garden. I don't know how I feel about oh, this. Endless breadsticks. I saw, <laughs> I saw something on social media where there's yes, a sign. they're definitely coming, but they are coming. They've been here before. What, where is where is that location? And they had to close down. Um, you know what? Somebody told me yesterday, and I was trying to find out who's bringing it here. Um, hold on. Oh, where? Where though? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me check. Trying to figure out where that sign was. Um, it says coming soon. Said, Olive Garden. See, but we have so many good, like, hey, more authentic uh, Italian restaurants. I know. I, I can see how it. Starts. Why? Why yeah. is Olive Garden not authentic? It's okay. Oh, uh, it's like fast food Italian. The proprietor is uh, Italian. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> have you read about those recipes? Have yeah. yeah. I had you accused them like you have? I'm a. Olive Garden aficionado. So now I know what oh to get you. Gosh, the history right? of the Olive Garden. Christmas present, Olive yep. Garden gift certificates for Blake. Right. <laughs> if I had no choice, though, I'd take another Outback. Oh, Space. my God. Blame I said onion. the same thing yesterday. Right? I said that. I'm like, bring Outback back. I loved them. Seriously. I love Outback. All right. Blooming onions. Have yeah, a good morning. Yes. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Let's kick off the show. Hello. Sandra all the time is here with the cold heart true. She's the ears and the eyes for me and you. Every day, everyone want to hear from Sandra. And every time on the air, she's getting better. Tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your mama, call Sandra in the morning and in the Always calling, calling Sandra, and when they start fighting, they calling Sandra, and they That's right, folks. Everyone is telling their mama about the cold hard truth. Welcome to another episode with more truth-telling, more problem-solving, and of course, more tea-spilling than ever before. Sit back, students, grab your tea, and turn up the volume, because class is now in session. Call in at 936-2626, because your voice matters. Share your opinion on issues that matter the most to you.
All right, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Happy, happy Thursday. Yes. Um, to do, 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 do. How's everybody going? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. Good morning. All right. Just sending out my, my I feel like I should call it wiki links, uh, social links to everyone. Good morning. Happy Thursday, folks. Let me turn on my little camera so I can see you and you can see me. Where did I put my glasses? Oh, yeah, I got to get the glasses on here in a second. Uh-huh, honey chill. I got to give y'all a little joke. Um, many, many moons ago, I had LASIK surgery, you know, where you don't have to wear glasses anymore. Oh, honey child, that was the best money I have ever spent. Like, you know, in life, you spent some money here or there. I shouldn't say the best, but it's it's definitely in the top. Eh, definitely in the top 10 for sure. And it's one of those things where not necessarily like super expensive, but it was so worth it. OMG. Oh, it was like a rebirth to um, be able to see without glasses was just amazing. Um, I don't need them for close up. In fact, I can see the computer perfectly fine without them. But yes, honey child, my eyesight used to be so bad. I could even see the alarm clock next to me on the bedside. I was like all fuzzy and be squinting like, what time does that say? I can't see it. And then I had I had it at Baskin Palmer, which is one of the best eye institutes in the world, definitely in the U.S. And, um, you know, the pioneer of this procedure did mine. And um, I remember going back to the hotel. They put like steroid drops and stuff after the procedure, put cups on it, say, go home, go to the hotel, go to bed, don't do anything, sleep. You know, so in the morning when I got up now and I could take the cups off and put more drops in, I remember looking out the window and looking at the interstate and it wasn't a blur. Like I could actually identify cars. I was like, whoa, this is so life changing. Like literally I could see uh, what an amazing thing. Oh my gosh. It was so nice to be able to go play tennis and not have to put on glasses. I actually have an allergy to uh, metals. I'll tell you all about this. Not that you, you know, can be buying me any gifts or anything, but I don't wear costume jewelry for this exact same reason because the alloy that's like in the metals, um, I have an allergic reaction to. So back in those days when plastic frames, now plastic frames are easier to get and, you know, they're not clunky and heavy. But back in those days, it was more like metal frames and stuff. This was like the 90s, uh, mid, mid 90s. No, this was the 2000s. What am I talking about? Oh, Lord, the time. Time's going. I was back in Cayman. This was 2000s. I was in law school. I think I was in my second year of law school. Anyway, um, so yes, yeah, so I would wear these metal glasses. And um, unfortunately, anywhere that they touched, they would erode my skin. So, you know, when you put on your glasses, sometimes they're like touching you here. So they would erode my skin here on the sides. Like I was going bald on the, on the sides here. And um, where else would they normally touch? Oh, the nose bridges. You know, they would discolor and all kind of really weird stuff. So I was so tickled pink to not have to wear glasses. Like it really improved my quality of life. Nobody told me the procedure doesn't last forever because I was like thinking, oh, I'm going to have bionic eyes now. Um, but no, apparently it does not last forever. Oh, darn it. I was so happy, honey, too. But, you know, your eyes are one of those things that can and will and do shift um, throughout the course of your life. So, yes, my darling. 
Um, but that was, oh, fantastic. But I was saying that to say this, sometimes, you know, you put down your glasses, you're like, where the heck did I put my glasses again? Sometimes you put them on top of your head. I don't tend to do that very often, but you don't even remember where you put them. So one of the very bizarre things, if you've worn glasses for a long time, you'll know this, even when you don't have glasses on and say you're super tired, your brain forgets that you're not wearing them. So for probably a couple months after I had this procedure, especially at night when I was tired and going to bed, I would be like looking, like touching to take off my glasses. And of course there was nothing there to put them on the bedside because I no longer wore glasses, but the brain is such an interesting um, organ, these need cleaning, that um, yes, sometimes it fools you into thinking. It's kind of like when you lose a limb, you guys have heard this, I'm sure. When people lose a limb, they still think the limb is there. It's a phantom uh, limb or something they call it. But yes, their body, their brain tells them that the limb is still there. Very, very bizarre. Hmm. All right. Um, so let me see. Uh, everybody got their links. All right. Let's go ahead and get the show started today. So yesterday, you guys are aware that... Um, we had the Grand Court opening. We're going to go, in, go into some detail this morning. We've actually got a number of videos. I want to break it down for you guys and exactly what transpired there yesterday. Um, I think for more reason than one, it is good to know what is happening with the judiciary. Now, I'm very, very aware. And I saw someone's comment saying, oh, we don't need no new courthouse. And that's a waste of money. Instead, you know, put it in educating our children. Well, <laughs> let's be very, very clear here, folks. There's nothing more important than educating your children. Um, the primary role there is actually you, the parents. You can have the best institutions in the world, the best schools, the best buildings, and we could still be floundering and failing um, because the parents and homes don't have the support that they need and they're not doing the job that they need to be doing. Well, I can tell you that having all these expensive schools and offering scholarships and all this kind of stuff is gonna be a bit of a waste. Um, of resources. Those things are available. Um, I must tell you, more so than in most places. Caymanians are spoiled, um, entitled often, and often just love to complain. Y'all have had it too easy. Let me tell you, honey, chill. And I speak as a Caymanian. And I look around and I see what's available. I see the resources. I see it all. And I'm going to say it again. Y'all spoil bad. Okay. Honey, chill. Y'all get a lot of good stuff. Don't appreciate it. Don't take care of it. And you're still complaining that you need more. How much, how much do y'all really need, honey? You know, but there has to be a balance. Um, honestly, oh, I forgot to turn on my on-air sign. There has to be a balance, folks between, you know, all the different demanding, every you have a lot of different things demanding resources. And this is where a government needs to have, and governments generally need to have a broader developmental plan. Because without that plan, y'all are just going to, you know, flounder and focus on one or two little areas and that's it. We have a John Gray High School, which by the way, in my opinion, is the nicest school, the nicest facility on this island right now. And I would still not send my child there. <laughs> Let me be very clear. 
because the facility doesn't help with the behavioral issues that y'all have, right? So you got your little hoodlum children that you send to this school. You teach them no manners, no behavior. And um, it is the most amazing campus on this entire island. And that isn't going to make much of a difference at the end of the day if you can't get these behavioral issues under control. If children are afraid to go to school because they're going to get beaten up, ganged up on, and all this kind of stuff, you think it matters to a parent like me what that school looks like? I would rather homeschool my child than to send them to a beautiful school where they have no control over the children. And you don't know the day that your poor child is going to go in the locker room like that young man did a couple months ago and get the you-know-what beaten out of him, you know, where his eye is all bunged up and he could have easily hit his head on um, the the shower stall or one of the the pieces of furniture or whatever in that facility. And then I'm going to have to fight the Cayman Islands government because some idiot child has killed my child. Oh, honey, child, I don't think so. That's not going to work. So let me be very clear. Prison needs resources. The judiciary needs resources. Education, well, this is the problem with education. Y'all are overspending, misspending, and still can't get it right. What, is, what was the projected spend? Can somebody tell me this? Because um, I don't have the exact figures. But I think John Gray High School went over budget by 50%. So you allocated $50 million for a school, and in the end, it ends up costing $100 million. And how many years later? That was like the project that we were all wondering, is it ever going to get done? Like, seriously? <laughs> Hello. Years later, we all sitting there going, wow, that's like the project. By the time they finish that project, it'll be time for renovations on the school. That's what I was always thinking. Damn, like everything's getting rusted. Stop being exposed to the elements. And this is just typical government. I mean, I feel sorry for them, but they can't seem to manage themselves out of a wet paper bag. So I think it's important for people to educate themselves about what happens with these other arms um, and departments and agencies within government, because unfortunately there has to be a balance and you do need them all. So Leroy, um, I see your comment. I think you're responding to somebody else about we need trade schools, not courthouses. And that's where you're wrong. We need trade schools, but guess what? Do we not have trade schools? Tell me something. How many trade schools do y'all really safely think we need in the Cayman Islands? And anybody could challenge me on this? Because we have a lot of opportunities now for Caymanians, both locally and overseas, at no cost to them to get involved in a trade. It just, I was just telling y'all about John Gray. They have the most amazing mechanical department and trade school TVET program. When I went in there, I was like, oh my God, y'all have real cars up in here? Listen, I went to high school back in the day in Tampa, 1,200 students graduated in my year alone. And we did not have no friggin' mechanic classroom that looked like that. Caymanians, first of all, you need to educate yourselves about what we even have because it occurs to me that a lot of you do not know. You can go to uh, Michael Miles School. The government is paying for you to go and get all of your HVAC qualifications. What's the name of his uh, school again? All of these things are available. They pay 100% covered cost 
for people to go to the mechanic shop over by Superior Auto. And that program has been running for years. So it can't be the case that our young people don't have opportunities if they're interested in a trade school. What you have happening, Inspire Kiman, thank you. What you have happening is a lot of people who themselves don't want to do anything. And then when they want to, when they don't want to do anything and they end up in the penal system, the argument is, well, you know, if we had a trade school for them, please. The only trade that they wanted to learn is how to roll marijuana and how to smoke a blunt and how to shoot up somebody. And that goes back to the household. That goes back to parenting. Now, y'all parents don't want to take no responsibility. Everything is on the government. But I'm going to challenge you to look at the homes. You can predict. First grade teachers can predict with a 97% accuracy in the Cayman Islands. Go and read the, um, help me remember the name of this report again. Uh, The one that talked about recidivism and all this in the Cayman Islands. Mm. It'll come to me in a second, right? But you have first grade teachers that can look at the environment in which children are coming from and tell you with a 90% accuracy, thank you, the Yolanda Ford report, they can tell you with uh, 97% accuracy which of those children is going to end up in the penal system. You think that that has anything to do with offering them trade schools or trade schools and trade options being made available? Go to UCCI, folks. All kind of trade schools available. By the way, not for nothing, but this government, this new government, especially in this Minister of Education, has refused to really give any money to, um, to UCCI. And yet every other week, we're receiving impressive release from UCCI about partnerships with other universities. If you want to do something, they will send you. They, they cover everything to go to, um, oh Lord, what is the place called again? New England. They just did a partnership with, with New England the other day. And you can go there and you can do all sorts of training and all sorts of courses. Free. Ask yourself how many Caymanians at U- UCCI are even jumping on the opportunity. I can tell you it's not as many as it should be. There are a lot of opportunities available for our people. Whether or not they're taking advantage of those opportunities is a whole different question. Like I said, Caymanians are spoiled. <laughs> Y'all want something handed to you in a silver platter. You don't want to have to work with it. UCCI just partnered again with St. Leo. The truth is, you don't have no fire in your belly. I'm going to challenge every single Caymanian yet today. Y'all don't have any fire in your belly because you've grown up being t- entitled. Right? I remember when I was in, just this one second, caller, I'm coming to you. I remember when I was in, in uh, high school getting ready for college. My aunt didn't have any money to send me to university. It was like, okay, you're going to have to figure this out. She wasn't educated. She didn't have anything past, I guess, a high school education. Nobody was helping me with my college applications. That was all on me. And because I had that fire in my belly to change the outcome of my life from previous generations, I wasn't going to sit down and complain, well, somebody better set up a trade school for me. Somebody better fill out this application form for me. Somebody better give me money. I knew that I had to get up off of my rear end and go find it. 
So I was out there hustling, applying for scholarships, going through booklets, reading who's giving away money. And I, I was at a disadvantage because as an international student, there was a lot of stuff in a non-American. There was a lot of stuff I wasn't even eligible for. So I found the one or two that included international students that didn't discriminate because I was in a student visa. Right? I cleaned people's friggin' toilets to be able to go through university and came out and sit here and have everything handed to them on a silver platter. And you also have the audacity. Oh, well, we still need trade schools. No, you don't. What you need is to get up off your behind and see what's available. And if you want to take these courses, take advantage of them because they are there. Huh? Right? I had the, the interesting pleasure of working as a resident assistant in a private dorm with super rich kids coming down from New Jersey. Again, everything handed to them on a silver platter, hanging out by the pool all day and flunking out of school within the first year. And I said, wow, what a privilege, right? If I had somebody paying for my education, the least I could do is study and make decent grades. But you see, when you don't have the fire in your belly, and sometimes the only way you can get the fire in your belly is through some hard knocks in life and knowing that nobody's going to do it for you. And you better get up and do it yourself. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Sandra. I've been summoned. <clears throat> um, I, I, I love what you're talking about because um, I was speaking uh, about three years ago. I was talking to a group of older Caymanians and you know, I was asking them, you know, what has changed? Like, what, what is so different now? Because they just mm. have a different work ethic. They have a yes. different one life. They, they had a, a harder life is what was different. And that is exactly what came out. It is the struggle. Mm -hmm. The struggle that, that, that inculcates in you those values to want to get better, want to achieve more. But you see, the problem is, right, a lot of older Caymanians, when they had children, the Caymanians that went through struggle, they say to themselves, my child isn't going to go through that. I'm going to make sure my child has what I didn't have, not realizing that by giving their children everything, mm -hmm. you're robbing them of the opportunity to develop those values that make you successful. Exactly. Right? We all know that the number one of the number one ways of building wealth in any country is to own a business. Now, mm -hmm. owning a business is hard work, Sandra, as I'm sure you know, right? And there are going to be many times, many times before you can actually give pay yourself when you're starting a business that you might even fail, but you keep at it until you find your niche and mm -hmm. then you stick to your niche and then you uh then you build your business. Yes. Way. All right. I have a friend of mine, and not really a friend, an acquaintance, right? Mm -hmm. Jamaican national came here, been living here for years. You know, he got his status and everything, so he's he's Caymanian, right? Mm -hmm. UCCI was offering an HVAC repair course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? For those of you that don't know, HVAC has to do like the ACs and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, um, right? AKA a trade school, trade options. All right, good. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he said, every single time I went there to class, mm -hmm. not one Caymanian did he see. It was my, it was my fellow Jamaicans and other people from. A, he now owns his business. He now opened a business and it's thriving. And he mm -hmm. has customers growing every single year. Yeah. Why is it Caymanians hey, can't go in there and 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 like they talk about trade school? Here it is, UCCI, and and he had to pay for the course. Mm -hmm. Right. Caymanians hey, get it free. For free. 
right? But it goes back to that adage, when it's for free, you don't value it. Yeah, when exactly. You, you don't value it. Exactly. Yeah. You, know, you have to struggle. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw in my two cents. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, part of it to me, I see your comment, Ali, Aliano, and I think part of it, honestly, is a lack of information, right? Um, Aliano says, in my eyes, a new court is just like a new prison, a failing society, and a need to process the bad meat out and lock away for sight. Well, that's because, Aliano, you're not really thinking about this too deeply, and your vision as to what the courts do is actually short-sighted. Let me challenge you. And this is why I wanted to do this show this morning, because it really occurred to me that y'all don't have any clue what the judiciary is all about. You in your mind is simply thinking about the criminal arm of the court. You know, the court does a lot more than that, right? Not for nothing, but they do a lot more than that. There's the financial division. We're going to talk about that this morning, financial services. As a matter of fact, I'm not talking about financial services. I'm going to talk about family and mediation, right? They have summary court. So when somebody hoodwinks you out of your money, breaches a contract, whatever, your remedy is with the courts. Y'all are just thinking, oh, this is about locking people up. This is the criminal arm and that's it. No, it's not. That is a part of the judiciary. There is a lot more to what the judiciary does. Agreements or disagreements between common people, anything less than $20,000 $20, or less, summary court. Multi-million dollar transactional disagreements. Grand court. You have people from all over the world coming here and having to use our resources. It is an embarrassment every single time I can't hold my PP and have to go to the bathroom, the only bathroom, one stall in the courthouse. I'm embarrassed at how that looks. That's a simple thing. I can't imagine having to work there with the lack of resources available to you. It, it's, it's ridiculous. You guys have to think about the delays that are created because of the lack of infrastructure development for the courts. You know, in law, they say justice delayed is justice denied. Right now, if you go to grand court and you have, you're not in custody and you have a, you know, they arrested you and want to charge you with something, Aliano, and you're like, I'm a free, I'm a, I'm an innocent man. I need to prove my innocence. It takes you an average of six months, if you're lucky, to even get listed on the grand court list. Why do you think that is? Not enough space. Not enough justices. Have you ever been called for jury duty? All of you who say, oh, well, you know, we don't need nothing. Have you ever been called for duty, jury duty? I want anybody who is sitting here today saying that we don't need a new courthouse, we don't need to invest in that, and who has also been called for jury duty and still shares that opinion, call me. Because you're, like, you're, you're like cockroaches on top of each other up in the jury room. No space. We have got to expect better. How long has that courthouse been there? I'm surprised it's not even making people physically sick like the old government building. There's nothing wrong <clears throat> with the judiciary demanding, as they very well should, 
that they get some improvements too. Juliana can find $50 million to go buy a school, build a school for less than 200 children. Yet you have thousands of people going through the penal system, the civil system, financial um, services, multi-million dollar transactions from all over the world having to deal with that old rundown facility there in, in Georgetown. Come on now. Stop looking for excuses to do the right thing. And the right thing is to prioritize the judiciary. It's as simple as that. We have a new chief justice and she has a lot of fire in her belly. I like it. She has a vision. She has dreams. She has things that she wants accomplished. But all of that is going to be extremely limited because of what she has to work with. And I'm going to play some of what it is that she actually um, has to say in regards to that. This person says, kaboom, that was a full dose of reality. Please be a guest speaker at every parent-teacher meeting. Oh, Lord have mercy. Parents in primary schools should already be thinking about a college education action plan for their children. My God. Mm-mm-mm. We need a change of mindset. You see, it starts with your mind. You know, I'm going to be honest with y'all. This is going to this is going to hit really really hard <clears throat> even for me to say it, but <clears throat> I'm really really glad that I did not grow up in Cayman. I missed that on a lot. Oh god. The mangoes and all those fun things and you know. But listen, the trade-off is that I got to see a different way of living. I got to experience different things and I do believe I came back a little bit wiser. When you have something to compare Cayman to, this is why I say I can tell y'all without fear of contradiction that y'all are too too spoiled. Caymanians have had it too good. The struggle that our forefathers had is gone. You know, they had no choice but to leave this island in order to make a living, whether it was turtling, going off to sea, whatever, and they made the necessary sacrifice. Now, let me be very clear. There was also things that were lost because of that. So there's always a trade-off. Just like I talk about, oh God, I would love to have those memories of growing up in a small little place like Cayman and you know, being so cushiony and and having, you know, oh yeah, I could just run outside and run up a tree, not have to worry about somebody trying to kidnap me when I was in my senior year in high school at the mall. I, I didn't want to have to worry about those things, but that was the reality of where I was. But the trade-off of being able to say, you know what? There was nobody there pushing a silver spoon, gold spoon, copper spoon. There was no spoon in my mouth. If I wanted it, you better figure it out. I remember in high school, right? Like I said, my aunt was not an educated person. She had common sense. Um, she had a, her family in Tampa had a business that she, she was a homemaker and she helped out in that family business for years. They actually had a dry cleaning business. But I'd be doing high school work. And I was in a lot of honors classes, AP classes, which is advanced placement, which meant that in high school, you were actually doing university level work. And the reason why I did that is because it was free in high school for me to take those courses. 
And then once I sat the AP exam, if I scored high enough in the exam, I would be exempted out of those courses when I got to university. You see, when you got to pay for it yourself, I don't have time and I don't have mama and daddy's money or the Cayman Islands government scholarship money to go and waste on an education. I better know what I'm doing and get it together very, very quickly. So even in high school, yes, have your action plan. I was like, okay, seventh grade, I started to buckle down at my work. I'm like, okay, now, now the ish just got real. Here we go. Grades are going to start to count here shortly. When you go to university, they want to know, what were your high school grades? How did you do on the SAT? Da, 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 da. All this kind of stuff. What extracurricular activities? You're competing with a lot of people, right? So I did the advanced placement courses. And believe me, you, even in elementary school, there are times that I was like struggling. Cayman schools academically, even back then, don't prepare you. Let me tell you something. When I moved back to Cayman in 1996, 97, I had some other Caymanians that'd be like, oh, can you read this over for me? Can you help me in my schoolwork? Da, 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 da. Uh, university graduates, no, yeah. And I was looking at their caliber of work and shaking my head. I'm like, wow, this is what your schools in Cayman prepared you for? Dismal. It was kind of scary. No writing capability whatsoever. I was like, damn. Hmm. What a hot mess. Anyway, I'd be there struggling with my homework. I'm not a math person. Y'all know it already. When I got to trigonometry, I said, please, do not torture me any further with this thing called math. I'm not going into any field where I'm ever going to need trigonometry because I knew that. That was not my forte. Okay? I was an English major for a reason. Social sciences. Trigonometry. I was like, what am I going to need this for? So I, I said, okay, you got me at algebra college algebra. I'm not doing no trigonometry. Forget it. Oh, but we can put you in advanced place of trigonometry. I said, Lord Jesus, no. But I still, I still needed help. Oh, algebra, honors. I was like, oh my God, this is making my brain hurt. My aunt couldn't help me. My cousin, who was a perpetual university student, poor William, he never got a degree. Oh, now he's still in university, according to him. Another one with a silver spoon in your mouth. Because my aunt never put the boot to his behind like she should have. Yeah? I'm going to tell you all the story about William here in a second. Anyway, I would have to call the student helpline. Because thank God they had this available. Oh, no, came okay, man, I got nothing like this. If you're at home doing your homework in way back when I was in school, and I needed help, there was a 1-800 number that I could call, and they had teachers on standby. Oh, algebra, what's your question about? Algebra? Okay, let, me, let us, put us put you through. This was like back then, the rotary dial and the push dial phones. So I remember that after I got out of school, I used to go to where my uncle would work, and he worked janitorial work at a local elementary school. That was his second job. I can give y'all a real, real reality check here this morning. And I would have to go there and sit down and wait until he was finished to then be able to go home because my aunt didn't believe in no children being unsupervised at home by themselves. Oh, no, you don't. Yeah? So I would sit there in the little, um, they had like a little lounge area trying to get a head start and get my homework done because by the time I got home, it was like dinner, bath, bed, that was it. 
And I was like, so confused. I'm like, man, I don't get this equation. I don't know what this is about. I'm not understanding this. I had an 800 number I could call. I'd pick up the phone and call and say, okay, this is the problem. Can you help me? They'd walk you through it. They'd explain the principles. They'd stay on the line with you as long as you needed the help. Nobody was giving me anything. Even me, I had to find out about those resources, but they were there and they were available. So when I, when I look around at what we have here on this island as Caymanians, I'm going to tell you guys today that y'all need to stop complaining so much, right? The things that you have available to you, the courses, especially when it comes to education, UCCI just partnered with St. Leo College near Tampa because I know y'all don't like to travel far. Okay? Now they can go. This is a Catholic academic institution. You can go there and do an additional uh, number of courses. They're going to have joint seminars, lectures, training sessions. There's just so many things available. Stop saying that we do not have a trade school. Because to me, that is an easy excuse and that's an easy out when we do have a lot of programs available here. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. An excellent, excellent subject this morning. Um, yesterday morning, I thought on, on, on yesterday, Wednesday, yeah. Uh, I listened to Captain Paul Hurlston. Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, he he called in uh, uh, about something and uh, and other t- other people as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm speaking about the older folks. Mm-hmm. I I think it would be a good idea to interview some of those people. Have them on the radio. We do that um, already. Can I just stop you there for a second? That is called Cayman. Yes, that is called Cayman Voices. Did y'all listen to Miss Seymour when she talked about the things that she had to do and how she started at her life and how back in those days we did not even have cookeries in her homes, no stovetop, no refrigerator, no nothing. Oh yes. <laughs> we have we have come from hard knocks. But you know what our problem is? Let me tell you what has happened. We gained this success that came upon us too quickly. We were not prepared. Our people were not prepared. And so all we know is, boom, quick money, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, time of prosperity. And our people lost a lot of the lessons that our forefathers and who are now our grandparents and even some of our parents We've lost all of those lessons of hard work. Exactly. Our children don't know nothing about it. Exactly, Sandra. I hate, I hate the fact that when, like the the gentleman that called in one of your uh, one of your first callers, I, I I I love what he said because I know about some of those some of those days mm-hmm. of hardship and having to get off a bus 
at 14 years old mm -hmm. and work at, you don't know anything about the Lafontaine Hotel mm -hmm. because you, you came after that mm -hmm. and, and work until 11, 12 o'clock at night and then had to, had to go home. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they had transportation for us and we had to go home. And, and do homework. On the weekends, we had to wash our own uniforms. Hey, not throwing them in no washing machine and a dryer after work, after, mm -hmm, after work, mm -hmm. you know. Wash them on your hand or wash them on your, on your wash, washboard. What's what was wrong with that? Nobody else had any better except the so-called mm -hmm. big shots of this island that didn't help anybody except, except sorry, mm -hmm. themselves. So, but a lot of them never amount to anything, as the older people would say. As I now going to say, because I'm one of those older folks as well. And and I, I remember all all of that. Mm. That's why I value what I have, what I have gotten. I I come from a, a, a big family. My 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 father was from Honduras. Mm -hmm. He had a big family as well. Unfortunately, mm. I we lost him very young when we were very young mm -hmm. so my my mother was a, a, a father and a mother mm -hmm. but we had to work for what we had my mother never told us mm -hmm. she never told us i can give you because she couldn't because they were poor as well very poor i can give you what i I, I I never gotten, and I could see that you got, uh, 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 wasn't such things. You know why? Because I feel like today, when the children are given everything, they don't know, like the gentleman said before, mm -hmm. and I thank him very much for, for saying that, they do not know the value of the dollar, mm -hmm. how that dollar was gotten. Mm -hmm. They don't know what hardship that uh, our folks had to go through. And some, some, uh, some of the younger people are a lot, not some, but a lot, don't know anything about fish dinner, conch mm -hmm. stew. They know about hot dogs. They know about, um, uh, hamburgers, nothing wrong with a hamburger. But you know what? Back then, the people that we didn't even have doctors, no doctors and nurses are, are knocking us down now. Um, back then, people were, were healthier. They were more productive. Mm -hmm. They knew how to do things. They knew how to fix things. Okay. You get yourself a good education. That's, that's fine. That's a part of life. But work 
hard to get it, strive to get it. I admire people like you. I admire people like Dr. McPhail that had such a struggle even to get to where he has gotten today mm. and can tell the stories of it. Yeah. I admire people like my husband that came here as a chef from Switzerland. Mm. And Switzerland, I know one of our education ministers, and mm. I could take up much more of your time yes. now, but one mm. of our education ministers went all the way to Finland mm -hmm. um, to, 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 to see about their education system, came back here and never mentioned a word. Mm. What did he find? What did he see? Mm -hmm. What did he, and it makes you stop and wonder. Keman could take an example since mm. we're so small and Switzerland has over 8 million people. Could take an example from Switzerland. I'm not talking about Finland. I know nothing about Finland. I know, I know, I know it's in Europe and whatnot. Because in Switzerland, when you finish school, you're going to take up, uh, you're going to learn a trade mm -hmm. of some kind. Yes. Oh, let, let, and I'm oh. gonna I'm gonna pause you there because we're going into ten minutes now. But um, let me just oh, okay, ask you to leave okay. us with those comments. Yes, yes, yes. Thank yes, you so much, I, thank my dear. you, thank you very much. Thank you very okay, much. Darling. And I hope we would learn something from these older folks. Yeah. Listen to them; they have the experience to mm -hmm. tell us about. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Sandra. Okay, Good darling. morning. Good morning. Thank you. So let me let me just say a couple of things. I see some of your comments coming in and some of you are saying, I saw somebody said here about, um, oh, you know, like these these children that don't have no behavior, we need to push them into the trades. Yeah, some, okay, Miss Darlene, City of Gill's examinations is the perfect examination for children with behavioral issues and learning disabilities. No, it's not. Sorry, Miss Darlene. No, it's not. Y'all think that going into trade is for somebody who has no discipline? Who can't read and write? That's not what trade schools are, you know? <laughs> Let me just take a minute to break this down. It seems to me that Caymanians have this nugget in their head that a trade school is somehow less of a qualification in the sense that if you're a bad student, you don't know that two plus two equals four, you, you know, all these things, you misbehave in school. Oh, you're, how you're going to make it in life is to get into trade. Stop telling people that. Stop saying that. Because your children are listening to that nonsense and they are believing it. What you need to tell your children, and I'm sorry if y'all were offended by the word hoodlum, but I'm not sorry. What you need to tell, if, if the cap don't fit, don't get insulted. What you need to tell your children is that anything you do in life requires discipline, sacrifice, and hard work. Whether you are a lawyer or a plumber. Huh? I see lots of people walk around the place, so I want to be a plumber. I'm like, you do? You don't have the discipline to know what joints should even go together? 
You want to be a plumber, but you don't understand the mechanics of physics and what screws should go here. Please go tell your children to sit down. Trade schools are not for people who flunked out and failed in life. Get that memo through your heads. I keep seeing this. I'm thinking to myself, why do people say that? Trade schools is just another option career-wise because you can't have everybody being a doctor. You can't have everybody being a lawyer or an accountant. We need electricians. We need plumbers. We need H, whatever the heck they're called, AC people. But that doesn't mean that if you were a failure in school and a failure in life, that that's your only path or that is what you should be getting into. That's where they're not going nowhere. Because when they go and sign up for these courses and they find out, oh my God, oh, I have to show up to class? There's discipline of going to class and I have to be there by a certain time that I'm going to have homework. I'm going to have to tear down an engine and put it back together. Yes. Trade schools are not for flunked out kids with behavioral issues, learning disabilities, and no behavior. It's for people willing to still sacrifice, willing to study and do the work and learn, show up, because that's the first thing you need to show up before you can show out. We got to really start to educate our people. There's no work out there that is dishonest work once it is an honest living. This is what I'm here to tell you. Rough seas, I saw your comment, but oh, not everybody had it as lucky as you to be able to go overseas. Rough seas, I can assure you that that had nothing to do with luck or good fortune or anything of the sort. Hmm? That was a parent who was desperate to get me out of Cayman because he saw where he failed with other children. I was the youngest, and I reckon he said, well, this is my last shot, and obviously I'm not equipped to do it. Again, because of bad decisions, bad morals, out there in these streets having children of people that not even your wife, drinking too much, being abusive, all of these things. So here I come along now, the last of the Mohicans. Well, let's just give her a chance so we can send her overseas to somebody else that we don't even friggin' know. We don't know what kind of environment we're going to be sending her in. We don't really know if these people are all that good people. I mean, they, they claim to go to church, but you know, that don't mean nothing. Don't make assumptions, rough seas, that because I had the opportunity to go overseas, although it, it has made a significant difference in my life, you don't know the whole struggle. And quite frankly, you will never know. And it has nothing to do with opportunities. A lot of Caymanians had opportunities that they dwindled and did not take advantage of. Trust and believe me. That was a sacrifice more than an opportunity, but you do what you got to do. And in life, sometimes you're only presented with two options, sink or swim. And if I didn't learn how to swim very, very quickly, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. 
But, you know, don't make assumptions that that was like, oh, that was a great thing. You know, it was so lucky. Mm. Good morning, caller. Morning again. I had to call in. I had to call in. I had to give. I had to say something else. Um, all right, Sandra, I think that I think that for many of our fellow Caymanians, you might as well be speaking a foreign language. So I, I think for those who are listening, for those of you who have children who are listening, here's mm -hmm. a game plan for you. Mm -hmm. Here's a game plan for you. Stop buying your children the latest of everything. Mm -hmm. Stop buying them the latest cell phones. Stop buying them the latest video games for mm -hmm. mediocre work at school. Mm -hmm. Give them proper rewards. Right. Stop saying to your children, oh, well, when I dead and gone, you can have the house, you can have the land, you can have the thing and get dead left. You know what you should be telling your children? Look, this is my land, my yes. house, and if you don't perform, I will sell it and enjoy it in my old age, and you're going to have to find something else for yourself. Yep. Right? Yeah. Stop putting false hope in teacher. Here, I remember a, a, a friend I, went, I was over by a friend house and she was cussing and ranting going on about her child's, her son's performance at school. She said she went to a PTA meeting and, oh, well, I just don't know what to do with him. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it, it, it's not like I tried, not like I don't try to go, I give him the best of everything. And, you mm -hmm. know, he knows that I have, he knows that he, I have a piece of land waiting for him on the craft. And mm -hmm. he knows that mm -hmm. I have a car waiting for him. That's and the I problem. Said her, I said to her, I said, I'm changing her mm -hmm. name. I said, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to work for anything because mama gonna give him everything. Right. Parents, stop rewarding mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Stop getting your children the latest mm -hmm. of everything. Matter of fact, if you don't if you can't afford to pay a phone bill, you shouldn't mm -hmm. be having an iPhone or a Samsung exactly. or whatever, whatever the latest thing is. Exactly. Right? I, I hear listen, phone. listen to how listen to the lessons that we're teaching our children, right? Somebody reached, recently reached out for some assistance um, with a utility bill. And, you know, I'm starting to ask questions when people are reaching out to help. If I know somebody connected to them, I ask. And some their family member said to me, but Sandy, how is she going to need help with her CUC bill and just bought two tablets for her children for Christmas? I, I, Mind blown. Right. What is wrong with her people? Right. Yeah, something, that, something to us, you know? You're here, to, you're here, you're here, um, some of them talking about oh about struggle they don't know what it is and whatnot and thinking when you when you dig you know even got dig deep sandra some of them mommy not working mm -hmm. daddy if he's in the picture not working yeah but they still ex they still expect but hold on hold on but the light still running mm -hmm. water still flowing mm -hmm. rich full of food mm -hmm. what are you gonna say to them children talk about hard work when that's what they're seeing right yeah Parents, stop spoiling your children. Yeah. Give them a little struggle. Make yes. them work for something. And you know what? You have okay. to do that by example, too. You can't sit down and you're yeah. behind all day and do nothing and expect your children to understand what struggle is all about. I mean, I saw people with my own two eyes struggle. You know? Or even if, or even if you're not struggling. I mean, because I, 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 have some, <clears throat> I have some friends that are parents, too. They've done well for themselves. And yeah. you know what they say to the children? They say, this is not your house. This is mommy and daddy's house. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right? Uh -huh. That's not your room. That's my room that I allow you to sleep in. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. Oh, well, I want the new video game. All right, you want a video game? Go and earn get a little bagging job. Yes. Go and get a little bagging job. That, Absolutely. Well, when I was doing bagging, it was like a dollar an hour, two fifty mm -hmm. on the weekend. And you had to learn customer service skills to get your little tips. Mm-hmm. And make them work for it. Mm -hmm. Don't give stop giving your children everything they want. Mm -hmm. 
And that's half the battle right there. Hmm. Anyway, sorry. Sorry I had to call me. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 9362626. Um, you know. It, it is a struggle, folks. Um I don't know. Like I I don't I don't I don't know. You know, I've had people say to me, um, like my really good friends, oh my God, Sandy, where do you where do you find the motivation to do the things that you do? And I for me, it's like a weird question and I don't know how to answer it. Except that I would say that your experiences put that fire in your belly, you know. So I don't know, you know, but they're like, no, but you're not normal, like you have a different kind of drive. I mean, I don't know, because all all I've known my entire life is to struggle. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, e even when I've quote unquote, oh, you've arrived, you know, you can afford nice things if you want it. I'm still getting up every day and struggling in the sense that I'm trying to prepare for a future for myself, my daughter, if she wants that future, if she does the right thing as the last caller said, because you can't just have people, young people sit down and expect that you're going to do all the sacrifice and you're going to do all the hard work. And then they're going to just sit down and get dead left and reap the benefits. So they have to do their part too. They have to demonstrate that they're worthy of something. You don't just give them something and set them up in life just because you have it. That's one of the biggest mistakes that people of financial means actually have or do when it comes to their children. Good morning, caller. Hey, good morning, Sandy. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you? Good, fine. Thanks. Marva Reed here. Hi, Marva. Good um, morning. Love, love the topic. Good morning, Kinan. Love the topic that you're on because, like yourself, um, have a passion for children, and that is something um, that I was born with, and you have to be born with it, actually. And then uh, as, as you grow up and you see the struggles that you've been through in life and see how you work to get where you are, you learn to appreciate it, and you teach that to your children. Um, mm -hmm. I cannot say enough and, and agree with a lot of what that gentleman just said there. Mm -hmm. and, um, besides just even you know, encouraging your children to go out there and learn to work, getting them a summer job, all of that sort of stuff, Christmas job and everything, just even encouraging them to say to them, if you want to be rewarded, mm -hmm. how about you sitting down and studying and bringing me home good grades? Because like I have actually told my children, you're not bringing those good grades home for me. Mm -hmm. I am the least of the importance when it comes to the grades. In the next couple of years, I may be dead and gone even before you even get that opportunity to graduate. You're bringing those grades home for yourself because at the end of the day, it's when you get to that place in life where you need to go out there and get a job. You need to have that paper to show even though nowadays they, you can have as many grades and, and, and um, degrees. I mean, we know how hard it is just for you to even mm -hmm. get a job as well. So, you know, just encouraging children to mm -hmm. go to school and get good grades is most importantly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I mean, that, that's the bare, that's the bare minimum in this day and age, to be honest. I mean, you know, and, it, and it's yeah. not just, and, and this is one of the things that I'm going to say. I know that we, and I've said this before, and I think maybe this is going to be a recurring theme for me to sort of say this in 2024, right? Here in Cayman, we think that we are so amazingly unique, that these problems that we're facing are only problems that we are facing, and nothing could be further from the truth. 
Y'all need mm-hmm. to start educating yourselves and reading beyond what happens in the Cayman Islands. Pick up articles, magazines. Everything is available online, right? It is affordable. You can read a lot. You can get access to professional journals, research, yep. studies, whatever. Go and look at what is happening with the cost of living all over the world. I'm trying to get jobs. I was just watching a special the other day about how difficult it is right now for people to get jobs in the United States all over, right? People are moving from one city to another city, one state to another state to try to leverage. And these are people with qualifications, with job experience, who you think a job would be falling into their lap. That does not happen anymore. And that is not unique just to Cayman. I know we think we're so special that every problem in the world is unique to us. Right? The, the increase in rent, the, the cost of living, the increase in housing, unaffordability in housing. We think that these are all Caymanian problems. And I want to tell you that they are not. Absolutely right. The, the glory days of the financial boom is gone. You know, if you enjoyed that time and you haven't found your fire, you haven't found your fire, you need to get up and find it. Yes. Marva, yes. let me tell you something. Yes, I didn't have the benefit. One of the unfortunate things that I lost out on not having grown up in Cayman is getting my Caymanian culinary chops early. Right? That's why to this day I can't really perfect rice and beans. Okay? Yes. I've had like to myself. I've had to teach myself a lot of the recipes, thanks to the beautiful people like Miss Laura McLaughlin. You know, years ago she said, Sandy, come and sit down with me. Let me show you how to do your Cayman-style beef, how to pick the right choice of meats. This is how you put it in the pot. This is what you need to season it with. This is my little tip about how to do this, this, and this. Yes. I didn't grow up, unfortunately, here, so I never got any of those lessons. And those, to me, are important life lessons to have. Absolutely. You're right about that. But you you know what I was doing? I enjoyed baking. Yes. I would make my little cakes. I remember when my father had his restaurant in town when I came back. Mind you, I already had a degree. You know? I had a bachelor's mm-hmm. degree. I was working at first at Walker's, then at Maple's. So I wouldn't say that I wasn't making a decent salary. But you know what else I was doing? I was baking on the side because I said, well, why don't you have, you have a little restaurant here, top taste restaurant. Why don't you offer people a little dessert? Like they come in, they get their little lunch. Maybe they want a little piece of cake, a brownie, whatever. He's yeah. like, no, I don't know nothing about that. And I said, just leave it to me. I can do it. I started yeah. baking and leaving those things at my father's restaurant. I would deliver them. I forget what a woman's name is now. I'm picturing her. Nana, we used to call her. I'm picturing her and I would take it to her and I'd say, okay, um, I'm going to leave this stuff here now, you know, whatever, cut up the, you know, it got to the point where people were like, um, can we get some more of those brownies? Who made those? Can we get some more, you know, of the cake with the yellow frosting on it? Blah, blah, blah. And it's not necessarily that I had to do it. Like it was making me no pile of money. But that's what happens when you have a little bit of motivation. You always it's got it's more than one thing in the fire at the same time. You're always doing more than one thing. Yes, you're right. You're right, Sandra. And I used to, I did the same thing. And, and I encourage my children. I have four daughters. 
and they're all in university. But I encourage them because like yourself, growing up, being raised in Kim and Brack by my grandmother, I stand there, I watch her cook because guess what? You know them old people, they don't sit down right down ingredients mm-hmm. and ingredients and do measuring and all that sort of stuff. I watch them do it. And I try to memorize it. Am mm-hmm. I perfect? No, I'm not. Yeah. But I teach my children to do the same thing. And thank God their grandmother, who's my mother, still alive. Mm-hmm. Up until this weekend, my daughter was sitting down there watching my mother make something that she loves to eat when she comes home from university. I'm like, girl, go plop down mm-hmm. next to your grandmother and watch her. And she did it. But again, there's so much that we can do and we have to teach our children because at the end of the day, We used to be very fortunate back in the days. We're no longer fortunate or privileged, even though we think. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate to say we're teaching our children to think that they're entitled. No, no, Mm -hmm. no. We need to stop it. Mm -hmm. We need to stop it. Our children are going to suffer and hurt if we don't teach them the right things and and put them Mm -hmm. on the right path. And it's going to include tough love as well. Absolutely. And while we're sitting here complaining, you know, we have a few Caymanian physicians here. And of course, that's an um, area I'd like to see more Caymanians enter. But, you know, there was a strike in the UK. Um, I don't even know if they're still on strike, but there was a strike in the UK the other day. In the UK the other day. And um, I remember watching something with, this was actually, um, I think he's an American doctor. But he was talking about when he finished school, what he was actually making. And I was surprised, especially for the amount of hours that you are working, um, how yeah. little he was making. This guy is now a YouTuber that's a multimillionaire, and he's taken a completely different path. But, you know, he started out wanting to be a physician, wanting to help people, whatever, and the money just wasn't there. There's so many yes. so many physicians in the U.S., the competition is stiff. So he was like, yes. you know, I was making $40,000, $50,000 a year, working ridiculous hours as a physician when he started doing his online online YouTube business. And that started to take off. There's a point when it came, okay, you got to make a decision. You either continue yeah. to be a physician and put your 20, 30 years plus into that, or, you know, you're doing decent with um, the YouTube business, being an entrepreneur. You either now commit to that 100%, go full steam and make a go of that, fail or not, success, fail, whatever, that's a chance that you're going to take. And so he yes. decided to go that option of being an entrepreneur and largely coming out of the medical field, except to do yes. to advise people, students, on how to get into medical school, how to do well in exams. So he was actually teaching and selling online training packages. Yes. You know, our people just have to be prepared to think outside of the box. Traditional, right. traditional business, traditional way of doing things, that's not where it's at anymore. You know, you've got to think above and beyond what is before you. And this is why it's important that if you're not going to travel, if you're not going to live anywhere else, the Internet is one of the most amazing tools for you to learn, um, you know, about what other options are out there and what else is happening. So right now in um, France, their government leaders are talking about, oh, well, they have to look and make Ph.D., here in Manila, PhD job prospects need to be better. You can imagine getting to the PhD level and not mm. being able to get a job in France. Yes. Y'all need to go but, but, and read up on these things and educate yourself. But they, Sandra, they have a, another... listen to me. France has a research minister. We could probably do one of them. Right? Mm-hmm. And he says that he is 
pushing to bolster the reputation of PhD holders in the private sector and to improve their situation in the job market. You can imagine that. A PhD and you still can't get a job? And y'all complaining that Caymanians can't get a job with a high school education? Y'all need to go sit your behind down. Sandra, here's here's one of my biggest concerns right now as, again, as a parent with four children um, and children that go off to university. And I say this, and I've been saying this all along to members of parliament, um, politicians back then in those days. First and foremost, we uh, we have to thank our government for what they do to help our kids with educating them because there are a lot of Caribbean islands where they don't get or they're not afforded the kind of opportunity that our children get when it comes to scholarships. Mm-hmm. So we have to be grateful and thankful. But our children work hard to obtain that. They just don't sit on their backsides either. And because, my dear, the way that some of the requirements now are being, um, this, this, the, the requirements keeps getting higher and higher. Some of the requirements are even unnecessary mm-hmm. based on what I've been learning. But at the end of the day, if the government know they're giving out a hundred scholarships this year mm-hmm. for individuals to go off and come back in the next, say, four to six, maybe eight years, they come back with a bachelor, they come back with a master's. I would say that time frame can give them bachelors and masters. My thing is, is have jobs there put aside, not not just sitting down waiting, but put it into your to see that in the next couple of years, I know that we're expecting, they know their stats, they know what these children that whom they've given scholarships to, what they've gone off and studied. So, my God, build that into your country's succession plan to say, hey, listen, we need to make sure that in the next four, six, or eight years, when these kids come back from universities with all of these degrees, Let's be able to place them where they deserve to be placed because we've we've we we've funded them to get this education. Now let's look about helping them to get a job and giving back and, and contrib- contributing back to the country. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that, and so you have children coming home with a bachelor's, one master's, two masters, mm-hmm. and even come home while they're working. While they're going to school, they'll come home during their Christmases and their summers, and they will come home and even work mm-hmm. within government departments and do summer internship and all of these mm-hmm. internships. I thank those departments that do give those kids those opportunities. Mm-hmm. But my God, set aside and say, hey, listen, now when they come back in the next two years or three years, now they are fully qualified. Let's add them to our succession plan to the Cayman Islands. Let's employ them full time. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Kids come back with all of these degrees. And now when they apply to get jobs, no, because here what they tell them. Well, you're overqualified. You got too many degrees. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You do not have enough experience in the job. Really? And that's what's happening with our children in society. Yes. And it is because the country doesn't have a we do, proper... We do have another, we do have another yeah. caller, Marva. Let me just um, allow this caller to jump in. Caller, good morning. Welcome to the program. Morning, Sandra. Morning, dear. Uh, Marva, just struck a nerve with me. Yes. Um, both of my children are uh, college educated. Mm-hmm. And as of last, well, almost last month, 
both are now living and working in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fortunately for them, they have, they have used U.S. citizenship papers through their mother. Um, so they were, they were able to, to work over there. Uh, my son graduated and um, got a job. Uh, when COVID hit, you know, for a year, first year when COVID hit, mm-hmm. I had to pick it out, ended up coming back here, got offered a management position. I'm not going to call the entity because so, uh, it's heartbreaking for me, but I, I'm, I still have to have a conversation with the owners. I got offered a management position and the requirement was to work 60 hours a week, mm-hmm. um, which he was quite happy to do. But ironically, the salary did not even allow him to afford to rent a one-bedroom unit. Mm-hmm. And this is a management position. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he ended up finding another job that was barely able to, you know, he, he, I don't even think he was able to put anything in savings at the end of the month when all that was done. If it was, it was uh, a fistful of dollars, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, he got headhunted, and now he's living in the U.S. in New York. Mm-hmm. And if you think came out living in, uh, <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna say to you, do tell <laughs> how the living yeah. arrangement in New York is working because he's probably yeah, living well, in a matchbox and paying about two thousand dollars for it. But anyway, he, he, he <laughs> it's a good experience. In, he, he's living, he's living in the same size unit that he was actually renting here, and and he asked for for double the cost. But here's the difference: mm-hmm. he put something in the savings account at the end of the month. <laughs> After all that. Mm. And my daughter, uh, and like I said, my uh, my daughter isn't uh, here because she couldn't get a job here. We, we've encouraged both of them to work internationally mm-hmm. so that nobody could come back with the BS going, oh, you don't have international experience or, oh, you're overqualified, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. We have a systemic problem here, which is we either blindly trust or we don't care. And when I say we, I mean the powers that be mm-hmm. and even the general public in a whole in that we don't organize to to insist that something changes, right? Mm-hmm. It's only when the catastrophic levels do we get above our collective around areas and do something. And that's a very, very rare scenario. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the thoughts Tom was thinking outside the box, and this is not an idea that was that I came up with. This is something that actually a, a friend of mine from the UK came up with who, who actually has been living here for probably almost 30 years now and married Cayman and everything else. But they were, they were just saying, that it was a thought and it's certainly something that should be explored. And like we all know, right, if there's a definitive interest and, and desire, um, you know, to get something done, it, it gets done. It just has to have the impetus behind it. Mm-hmm. And that is, we have a lot of kids here, a lot of delinquent kids, what have you. Um, some of them are, are fatherless. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them are fatherless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in often cases, even mothers have been raised by their aunts, uncles, cousins, mm-hmm. friends, family, what have you, right? Right. And they're they're just a they're just a revolving door in the courtroom for petty crimes, uh, what have you. And his suggestion was, and I thought it was a good one, to since we're a British dependent territory, mm-hmm. is to get a scenario where we we work a program in the military, the the, the UK military, mm. where they can actually do, uh, you know, if, especially if they're if they're um, you know for for minor stuff, if they're in the courts for minor situations. One of their one of their options mm-hmm. is to say, listen, you can either choose Northward uh, or one of our punitive programs there, mm-hmm. or you can register in the military, do your two year tour, 
Mm-hmm. Because in the military, they actually look to find what your aptitude, what, what aptitude you have. Mm-hmm. And you can then develop that in the military, helps develop the discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, too, it yes. creates camaraderie and, yes. and, 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 and training. And at the end of the day, you can come out with a skill, whether it's welding, marine, diving, uh, mm-hmm. you know, auto mechanics, AC, HVAC. Because the marine, or sorry, the military needs every single uh, life's discipline out there to operate uh, when they're out on the field or even when they're home, etc., etc., etc. So if they did something like that, mm. that way, you, we would, we, I think we would be more successful. It's not going to work for everybody. We know it's not. Yes. But we also have to stop. We also have to stop this talking about saying, saying what we say to our kids. Hmm. We need to stop acting like every single Cayman who graduates the Cayman Islands High School System is going to be an entrepreneur. There's just people who are not built to do that. There yes. are people who but, are. But I, I think I think the stop. mistake that we're making, though, let me just say this: the mistake that we're making is we are setting our children up to have these expectations of what they can and can't do, um, and thinking that they, there's something out there for them to do that doesn't require a whole lot of work or skills or dedication or, or sacrifice. And that is the trade schools or apprenticeship programs. That's not true. You think I would take yeah. on an apprentice, apprentice, right? Who can't even show up on time? Who doesn't know how to dress? Who doesn't have basic manners? Because y'all haven't right. taught you your preach, children those things? You preach into the pope. I mean, I, I mean I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not I, taking I, your child. I'm not taking on an apprentice to teach them how to speak proper English. They should already know I, that. I, Even even if, let me be very clear, even if my job is just working on people's vehicles, there's a a certain skill set that our people should be coming with, regardless of what their career path is going to be. Let me say something, um, Eddie, because I do think what you said about this military thing has some real merit, and it's very, very interesting. But let me throw this out there to you to, again, show you how incredibly entitled our people are, right? We have people who, unfortunately for them, have been involved in the criminal element in this country. So they have to put them in the witness protection program. Okay? We have a deal with the UK. Let's send you to the UK. Those people can't even... Listen carefully, Naina. They can't even stay in the UK to protect and save their own lives. This is how undisciplined our people are. They run back to Cayman a couple years after being in the program, knowing that their lives are still at jeopardy, in jeopardy. Uh-huh. Some have come back and lost their lives because they couldn't stay there behind the UK. You think they're going to go to the UK and get into a military school? It's the same fundamental problem when you have no discipline. Yeah. Yes, Sandra, military schools can teach you. Everybody. No, no, I understand. Military stu- schools can teach you a lot. You know, um, there's a young lady. I think she might actually be... Um, Maybe a niece of mine, but she actually went into the cadet program. Not cadets. Um, what's this other one called? The uh, the new marine unit. What's it called? Um, with Mr. Scotland. Regiment? No, Mrs. Scotland oh. is heading it up. Um, Coast Guard. I think it's the Coast Guard that she's in. Yes. Anyway, we have a Coast Guard, yeah. she went into the Coast Guard, right? And they actually offered her the opportunity to go to Jamaica and do training. Um, I think it must be at least a one or two year program there so that she can actually right. get a proper qualification. I always see her on her Instagram posting up her pictures. I can't even remember her name right now. She'll have to forgive me for that. But I always see her posting up her pictures and 
you know, showing where she's at and when she's completed a training course in her nice uniform, you know, looking disciplined, going to training, the things that she has to do. I mean, there's sacrifices to be made. Somehow, we all understand that, but again, Sandra, we have to look at it. As that Erica, while we thank are, you. While, 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 we are, while we are doing these programs, we will always have to acknowledge that there's going to be those that fail, those that right? are going to be doing No matter what we do. Exactly. Yes. So my point to you and is... so is then as long we get back to the court the system. Hold on a second, Sandra. Hold on a second. As long as we know, that, and if we're keeping track of the numbers, that it's serving the greater good, we always have to understand that there's going to be write-offs, there's going to be people that will have to like maybe double up their efforts or whatever, and, and there's people who are going to be the successful. But the thing about it is, to say we're not going to try anything because we're no, gonna, no, no. You know, these people are doing it is not going to work. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, let's make the best of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And if we say it's one, that's one less in our court systems, that's one less that's right. not a danger to us. And yes. that, that's all I'm saying there. So with that, I'll leave you all. Thank you I, so I, I much. Say, well, in, in closing, sorry, let me just say that we also have to look at as a as a and former as a former pre, uh, president of chamber of commerce. Mm-hmm. The businesses here have to stop looking at maximizing their profits, and I don't mean it in a literal sense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean it in that they're they're too close. I don't know if it's too close or not, but it's actually proven fact. If you pay your people a living wage, your people will spend the money back with you. If you spare, mm-hmm. spend the bare minimum, they're going to try and game the system the way the same way you're gaming the system, and therefore everything will always be at bare bones. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's the concept they don't get. You cannot pay peanuts and not expect to get monkeys to work. Mm-hmm. Well, I, t- I tell you what, what apparently you can't even pay a lot of times a decent salary, and you might still have monkeys trying to take those positions too mm-hmm. because, because you know. this is a generational thing that we're yeah, going to have to fix they, because they, you're right i've think, employed people you know. i always give market rate or above and i've mm-hmm. also i've also gotten people i've had to let go i've even had yep. people come to me one mommy told me that you're supposed to pay me nothing less than mm-hmm. this otherwise don't get the job and i said well tell your mommy to pay you mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. The, the, the point the point is is that we have to pay the, if you pay a decent salary yes yeah. you're always like, again like everything else there's always going to be the bad seeds in there mm-hmm. but and we're going and it's going to take gener- a generation to get this done this is not something that we flick a switch and we decide we're going to implement a policy and mm-hmm. that it, and then next month it's going to be activated this is going to be generated to reverse what we've done yes. and part and a large part of mm-hmm. that is the mothers and fathers mother cuddling their children yes that's not exactly. one thing i can be accused of yeah thank you, you so that, much have a great day all right Bye-bye. and these problems have not um come up overnight i mean we're dealing with you know, the the fallout of a lot of it, but these problems were not created overnight. So live says Cayman and men join the UK military right now. It's easy. My stepbrother is in there. And um, yes, Erica Rocket, thank you guys so much for reminding. Apparently she's Erica McBean now, but thank you guys for reminding me um, of Erica's name, which it just slipped me. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, you know, this is this is the um, sort of thing we've got, we've got Caymanians in the regiment. There's also the young boy there. Um, oh gosh, his father is. Um, help me remember now. Um, oh my goodness. Oh lord. You know your brain when you get when you get past fifty, anything can happen with the memory. Okay. <laughs> hold, hold, hold on, hold on, Marva. Y'all help me figure this out. Okay, so his would his mama be um Sophia um. Sophie, oh Lord, hold on here now. Let me go to Facebook and look up some Facebook friends. So Miss Lorna, I think would be his aunt. Sophie. So, uh, Sophia Dilbert Sophia originally. Sophia Dilbert, uh, yes. His mom is, uh, she's well, an attorney. 
Sophia Dilbert's an attorney, but her, this young man who is in the regiment is her son that um, she had with, uh, the father's name is who I'm trying to remember, you know. Um, oh, real, I know real, real estate. About, yeah. Um, yes. yeah, Lawson. Yes, Lieutenant Tyler yes. Lawson. Yes. Thank you, Lawson, Lord yes. Jesus. I mean, look at yes. look at that young man. Such an amazing young man, well-spoken, has gotten into the regiment, working hard. And a lot of the guys in the regiment actually have other jobs that they're working in addition to the regiment, right? I was thinking, uh, right, I was trying to think of his father, Anthony. Um, so yeah. Lieutenant Tyler, these are examples of Caymanians yeah. who, if they are interested, but again, you got to be disciplined. Being in the regiment, not easy, nah? When they go out of training sessions, you get bitten up by mosquitoes. You have to learn how to desalinate water. You're going to be staying outside. Yes. But y'all children know, my man, I need my PlayStation 5. I can't go nowhere without that. That's why why what you're saying is so important. And and I heard the caller there. He said some things that, you know, I beg to differ because just this week I was having a conversation. I'm in my 50s. Um, I was having a conversation with a lady who is in her 40s. And with a teacher who taught her when she went to high school, the teacher is still in high school and stuff. And we were having a, you know, a civil conversation. And I heard the teacher say to her, and I was so glad she stood her ground. The teacher said, made a comment and say, you know, hey, listen, guys, we have to realize now we're dealing with a whole different level of generation. Mm. So, like, we have to come down to her level. She, she put her hand up in his face right now. She's like, she knows what you just said. No, no, she said, we're coming down to no generational thing, you know. She goes, what are you talking about? She goes, you used to teach me how many mm-hmm. years ago. She said, well, you had allowed me to go away with it. Then, you know, you telling me that we must allow my child to get away with it. Now she goes, no. She goes, I expect you to be the same person you was 20 years ago when you were teaching me. Mm-hmm. She goes, we can't. We can't put our guard down. We can't. Because if we all start doing that, mm-hmm. we're just letting go of our country because these young people are the future mm-hmm. of our country. So even, you know, to hear people say stuff like that, it's like, yeah. no, we still have to be on school. We still have to stand our ground. We still have to give them tough love. Mm-hmm. We still have to be stern. We still have to teach them values. They need to know. First of all, mm-hmm. they need to learn to know what their purpose is here on earth. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. some of our kids do not even just them know something yes. as simple as that. We have to teach them well, their purpose. Listen to me. There, there, are, there are adults who have lived an entire life, Marvin, don't know what their purpose is here. So yes, imagine, imagine poor children who have no support and role models and stuff. Yes. You know, And I think yes. that, that is why we need to do more with mentoring programs. Um, because yes. even even in my own journey, you know, having access to mentors was so critical because these are people Absolutely. who, you know, have um, lived a good portion of their life and can offer you so much amazing advice and guidance and, you know, show you that no matter what situation you are born into, you don't have to stay in that situation. You know, you can change yes. the course of your life. You can do better yeah. than the previous generation. There's always hope. As long as you have yeah. life and breath in your body, there's always hope for what you can do. And so, yeah. you know, I, I implore so-called um, successful Caymanians to make it your remit in life to take other people under your wing 
and, you know, be there for them. It's, it's one thing to say that you've arrived and you've done whatever. That's fantastic. Our individual success story is wonderful. What about our collective success story? What will that yes. book say? Right? And if we're not in a position to help each other, even just a good advice, giving someone a mentoring opportunity, you know, having them Absolutely. come into your organization, say, okay, you can work with me. I don't have any problem with that. Let me tell you something. Um, I went to UCC a couple months ago and there was a young man there. Um, he's like, oh my God, Miss Sandy, I love you. You know, I want to be like you. I want to start my own YouTube channel, this, that, and the next thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I come work for you? And I said, tell me something, young man. I said, what, what is it that you're here doing at UCCI? What are you studying? Um, you know, and at first I was a little bit put off by him until I started talking to him. And this is why sometimes, you know, as, as older heads, we have to have time and patience for young people to open up the we conversation. Because, you know, he was trying to show out to his friends and acting a little bit silly and whatever. And once I started to, I pulled him away from the gang that he was trying to impress and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation. He said, he said, look, listen, he said, Miss Sandra, you know, my mom is Jamaican. Um, she doesn't really have an education. She come here and I see how hard she be working and sacrificing. I'm trying to get somewhere so that I don't have to, you know, my mommy cannot have to work. I want to be able to take care of her. And I was like, really? Yeah. I said, okay. And I said, well, tell me, what is it? What are you studying here? And then he told me he's doing, I think he's doing, um, one of the engineering, electrical engineering or something. Right. And, um, but you know, they're thinking, oh, I want my success story tomorrow. And I said, listen to me. I said, let me tell you something. This is a very, very important lesson. Number one, get your education, no matter what. That little piece of paper is more than a piece of paper. Thank you. Right? Thank you. What you're going to put in your head, the life experience that you're going to have, just even being in a university setting will be something that you can never, you need it. Stay here and get your education. Don't worry beca about becoming a YouTuber, about becoming a blogger, and you can have overnight success and millions of followers and whatever. I said, listen, get your education, do what you enjoy doing and that you're passionate about, and all of the rest will follow. Work hard, yeah. dedicate yourself, focus on your books. All this other stuff, because not everybody thinks, oh, everybody can be a YouTuber and that's where the fame and fortune and whatever is, right? I said, those things may come to you. And the chances of you getting there in your 20s or 30s or even 40s is going to be pretty slim. This is the long game. This isn't yeah. an overnight success, right? We're not all going to just wake up tomorrow and become rock stars or rappers or an athlete or, you know, someone who um, you think that their success story happened overnight. Yes. So just be, just continue the course, focus on what it is you need to be doing right now. You're here at UCCI for a reason. Focus your efforts on that. Focus on getting the best possible education that you can get, right? Make that one nugget of success on your entire journey. Cause you can't be failing at one thing and thinking that, Oh, you know, you'll be able to succeed in, in, in other stuff in life. No, you got to prove yourself. We do have a few yes. other callers on the line. Denny has joined us. And I think that might be the previous caller who called earlier, but I'm not sure because the numbers are very, very similar. Um, you know what is so funny? Marva, your number, your last digits is 1181. The other one is 1811. 
Isn't that funny? Reverse, basically. That is so weird. Okay. Um, Denny, question, comment, suggestion? Morning. Uh, I hope you realize what you just did, Sandra. What is that? You you just caused people to scramble to see if they could buy those numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. No. Um, uh, I believe that the government school system should include A levels in, in the sciences. Because, because that's absolutely crucial. So they don't do that anymore. That I mean, they've never done that, or or this is no, something. No, it's it's in it's in math and English in language, but not not in the sciences. Okay. Um, and and, and help help me understand this because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not entirely familiar with the British system of education. So A levels is like the equivalent of um, in the American system what we would call an associate's degree. Yes. Um, like the first no, two years it, of it, university, it's an advanced um, yeah. level of uh, secondary school. Okay, yeah. so maybe but, more equivalent but, to the AP courses. And then, yeah, and then you take is. an exam it, at the it, end it, of the A levels. Do you get like college credit for those, or how does that work? Yeah, it's, well, it's actually preparing you for college. Okay. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so, so I believe that that we should have. Um, a levels in the sciences. Someone said. Someone said no. It's like grade twelve. Oh yes, because well, here, is, here, ca- yeah, because the British system, you come out like at sixteen, which is ridiculous. You should be in school till yeah. eighteen. So this is yeah. this is like this is like you going almost till you're eighteen then. Right, but 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 here here's the point. The point is that when you uh, prepare your your kids properly. Let's just say for whatever reason, um, someone doesn't get to go to off to college, but they could finish at least a level. They would be fairly well educated and equipped to go on, even if it's at a later time in life, if that's what they choose to do. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But it, but 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 you're better preparing kids for college in in an area of study. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely relevant to today. Let's just say you want to go into um, some aspect of technology, for example, and it's not being a, um, a technician uh, or an engineer. Let's say that you want to work for a company and it requires you to work with hardware, uh, some sort of design or manufacturer. You're, you're, you're talking about needing to understand chemistry physics you need to understand mm-hmm. um art okay mm-hmm. because because we're talking about making technology we're talking about working with technology mm-hmm. you want to go work for uh the the um an internet service provider mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. dealing with a whole host of issues that the sciences um will make you really good in and and if you think about that, um, those those jobs pay really well. Mm-hmm. They and and it's an area that we're not properly preparing our children for. We're preparing them to be on the lower 
rung of the ladder, mm -hmm. but we're not doing what we should be to make them really excel in those industries, mm -hmm. in, in that industry. And, and the sciences is important. Also, you have Cal City come on to your program. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to be a doctor, if you want to work somewhere in the, the medical industry, you need to do all three of the sciences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why we would not have a level uh, for science. Mm -hmm. uh, now this, is, this is what somebody just said, Denny. They said um, they used to have, said years ago, A-levels were offered in the sciences. I did A-level in the sciences in the public school system. Apparently, that's no longer the case. They used to offer chemistry, physics, and zoology. And, of course, mathematics and computer science. But A-levels were removed from the public school system. Why were they removed from the public school system? I don't know the reason why, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying they need to be there now. Do we? Does anybody know when they were removed and what the what the reason for them being removed? So now, in order to do A levels, you have to go to a private institution like prep or Catholic or yeah. one of those schools. Right. Wow. Um, Sandra, what I Sandra, what I can say, I'll interject there. What I can say because my older daughters got caught up in the whole system when they decided to break up um, the year twelve in John Gray because. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they got caught up in the whole... I think that was under... It could have been under Minister Anglin or the minister right before him. Which Anglin? Um, Ralston Anglin? Um, Ralston, Ralston Anglin. It was around that time when, yes, that they 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 took out... um They, they took out John... They took out George Hicks, which was like a middle school. And then they created all of these little... um high, All of these little high schools. Academy. that caused, It was called... Pave. <laughs> Heritage, New Horizons, and something else. And so they did, my daughters did, I think, years seven and eight there and mm -hmm. nine. And then they went on then and did, these are my two older daughters, then they went on then and did years 10 and 11 at John Gray. And boom, that's mm -hmm. when sci-fi got thrown into the mix then and year 12 was taken out. So then at that time then, they threw in sci-fi then like a dual enrollment type thing and then my daughters ended up going then on to um on to do a levels then over by prep mm -hmm. um so that's somewhere around his time or could have been the minister just before him somewhere it was in that time frame but again i can't say why it was done that way but it was mm -hmm. around that time um yes. when it when it happened I mean, again, it seems to me, somebody said that they hope Juliana's listening, but it seems to me that when politicians make these types of changes, there's no real input. There's no, okay, we've received a report and the report said we should break up the schools like this and here's the logic, here's why. Because people seem to remember when it happened, but none of us really know why it happened. Um, we do have another caller in the line, so let's give this caller an opportunity. Good morning, caller. Hello? That would be you ending in 1811. Hello, I can't hear you. Hello? Hmm. Hi. Hello? No, Sandra, I'm here. No, I'm not you. Here. You're 1181. They're 1811. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't hear them. Okay. Uh, maybe they Are need you to. Are you hearing me? Oh, yes. Now, now I can okay. hear you. Oh, okay. Well, you should. All right. So, good morning. Morning. And I said that um, since you gave my number out, 
anyone that buys numbers on my number and then I expect to be paid. All right? Nothing is for free. <laughs> oh, God. As, as, as a teacher, yeah, I saw a lot of people saying that. Oh boy, people listen to you. They go buy some numbers now. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And you know what? I like the number eleven. In fact, I like the number. So go with the eleven, and then you can multiply. Go with twenty-two, and then you multiply. Go with thirty-two. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Formula for success. Yeah. Anyway, Sandra, um, I'm going to ask you to please allow me. Say what I want to say mm-hmm. without interruption, mm-hmm. um, and I know you're not going to agree with what I'm going to say. Perhaps it's not anything that I'm going to say, but okay. um, this whole topic, I'm just going to put it on the one umbrella. Failure of our children has been caused by first and foremost, and you might need to help me say this word. Um, what I would consider a seismic. Um, change. So our culture, our heritage, our population, everything that is Caymanian, it is bigger than any 8.5 earthquake. And when something hits you that suddenly, we see the destruction that it causes, how quickly that happens, and you may never recover from it. This is a tripartite problem. And I don't want you to think that I am in any way suggesting all parents are perfect. No parent is perfect. And I just want to take you back to something I heard you say on one of your last shows for last year. Um, and I couldn't have disagreed with you more. I don't remember exactly what the topic was, but I know you said that, you know, our, as parents, you know, we have to work and accumulate what we can to leave for our children. And I 100% disagree with that because I don't care what any parent has. A child must work and get their own. They appreciate it more when they've earned it. But when it's given to them, it has no value. And to be clear, that's that's what we said this morning. So I think there's a distinction. Yes, I know. But I'm saying something I heard you say on a former show. Yeah, the the context was a little bit different, but yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying. Based on that comment, I just wanted to say mm-hmm. I didn't agree. Mm-hmm. And because, as the Bible says, God, God bless what mama has, That's what right. father has, but bless, bless the child that has his own. Food. Yes. And I believe in working <coughs> for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. There is no easy fix for anything that you're going to achieve, mm-hmm. regardless of what that is. Mm-hmm. However, as I said, this is a tripartite problem. Mm-hmm. It's um, and our children are being failed in every way. Mm-hmm. A lot of these problems is pressure being put on the parents because, like I said, of this seismic change that the parents are having to deal with also. And people are having to get up out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, to be in the traffic at 5.30 and 6 o'clock, to get her job at 8.30, you know, and then at the same time, you know, their children, they got to hope to God that their children don't get kidnapped from the bus stop. Then you get to school and teachers, as far as I know, I'm not a teacher. I wasn't trained as a teacher, but as far as I know, part of their training is psychologists. 
Then you get children coming to school. <coughs> and to me, this is really where the problem starts. The problem will start in the home. And even if it starts in the home, then it manifests in the school. Because when teachers recognize that a child has a problem and the child's problem might not necessarily be one that will develop into criminal behavior, but a problem, instead of them recognizing that problem is that child, and I know of instances where the parents have gone to the school, talked to the teachers, told them some of the children are in counseling and so on. The teachers take great pride in humiliating those children. And even back in my day in school, we didn't have all of these counselors and stuff like that. If we had problems and we were able to talk about it, we did a bit of a friend, you know, or maybe another relative. Mm -hmm. But today, with these things and encrypted all of this um, medical stuff that can support what the parent is trying to say, why then are the teachers adding to the public? I am going to hold teachers more than 90% responsible for the failure in our children. They are being paid to educate our children, not to humiliate them, not to destroy them, not to destroy their self-esteem. Because I am telling you, a teacher's word to a child is much more powerful than anything a parent can say. So when you are encouraging your child, boosting your child's self-esteem, <coughs> And a teacher says something different, all your work is destroyed right there. Mm. So I, I'm not suggesting in any way that we should spoil children, we should ignore things when we see the signs, but I am saying that our children are being failed. And then we have what they call the child services unit and so on. That is where a lot of money could be spent and should be spent because. Right now, if there's a problem with a child, over the weekend, there's no one that offers the souls. It's like our new station. They're off on the weekend, you know? We, <laughs> we're here, we're there, we need this, we need that. So why aren't we rolling and, and having these things available at all times? So we need more for our children. Back in my time, I think they called it um, career guidance or something like that. But we need more for our children. You know, the children shouldn't even have to leave the school campus. So to go to counseling, it should be on site. And I can tell you that back in my day, going to school, and this is very personal, but I'm going to say, I come from a broken home. My parents divorced. And as soon as that happened, we became, what would they call it, um, picking some of those teachers. I even had a teacher who looked at me one day for no reason at all, because let me just say, that affected me very much. I was very, very, very withdrawn. I was an introvert. And my escape for all of my pain and confusion about my broken home was, thank God I was athletic. So that was where I went and, you know, I dealt with it. And my energy was there and you know, I wasn't like into the other things. I was artistic as well, so I did art. Anyway, and so I was in class one day, and then this teacher, she was, um, um, what was the subject? Uh, commerce and office practice, I think. 
And, you know, she just looked at me and she started saying all these awful things to me. And um, and then she says, um, oh, you know, I, I don't care if you go and tell your father, you know. And she said this only because of the job my father has. So, like, in other words, while she's bullying me, she's intimidating me to say, I can do this too, and you can't do anything about it. And that's how the majority of those bullet teachers felt towards us. Not just me and my siblings, but other children in school of similar circumstances. Because when they think you don't have anyone to defend you or stand up to you, God have mercy on you. But you know what? I was determined to show every one of those bastards and bleep it out if you have so. Nothing that they did to me was going to destroy me. And anything you tell me I can't do, I'm going to show you I can do it and do it better or die trying. And that's exactly what I did. I even had a teacher one time, I was my geography teacher, who one day I was absent from school, which was a rare thing. And he made the comment in class because he didn't like my father because of his nationality and said that the only thing I would amount to that um, would would be, um, said, like I would be a thief or um, or the most that I could amount to was to, you know, to be a waitress or something in lobster pot. And when I got back to school and some of the children told me what had been said, um, I reported it. And he was dealt with. And I'll never forget at our 20-year class reunion, he was present. And, of course, when um, one of my classmates, who was, you know, just singling out other students who she knew had been bullied and, and stuff like me, and she started naming out what we had achieved and where we were in life today. She happened to be a lawyer, okay? So I just say that we cannot blame everything that is going wrong on the parents or the household. That is not true. Some of the most productive Caymanians we have today have come from broken homes, and broken homes with very little means. But the children struggled, and they wanted to be something. Their parents wanted them to be something, and they fought through it all. I know of instances with <coughs> children who are menaces in the schools, private schools, because they don't go to the public schools. And when they do, when let me say correctly, when they commit crimes, they sit in the class and they look at the teacher and say, and what are you going to do about it? Do you know who my father is? You never hear and you never see those cases on the court docket. Anyway, I just had to mm-hmm. say that this morning because, like I said, I'm listening and I don't agree with a lot of what is being said because I'm just tired of everybody ignoring the elephant in the room. We need to address this problem just where it started. We cannot continue the way this whole mess is going. And just on the apprenticeship thing, let me say this quickly. That is part of Switzerland's culture. Perhaps some of the other European countries, I'm not sure. But I know for sure in Switzerland. Because a lot of the Swiss don't go to university. But it is mandatory for them after high school, because they do school on Saturdays. It is mandatory for them. Whatever they want to do after school, you know, whether it's banking and, you know, they have a big banking industry there. So a lot of them turn to banking or something is finance. But whatever it is they want to do, they have, after high school, they have 
to do an apprenticeship and they have to complete that so that when they are ready to work, they're already familiar with, you know, the environment of the, the, the chosen career. And they are very successful. And 99% of them do not have a university degree. So go figure. Anyway, thank you for allowing me. And mm-hmm. I'm going to continue listening. All right. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Okay. So, um, I do think that um, it is it is important to highlight two things. Number one, there is no such thing as absolutes. So I try to, when I speak in terms of our societal problems, the words, generally speaking in my vocabulary that I try not to use. So I don't say always, ever, every time, because there's always exceptions to any situation. And uh, those words are exclusive words that normally don't hold water, right? So when I talk about parents being in families and household being the foundation for where children get their start, um, that is true in 80, 90% of the cases. There's always a 10% that can grow up in chaos and still be successful, (laughs) I mean, people, some people are destined for success no matter what you throw at them. They can be in those, t- take an Oprah Winfrey, for example, right? She can be raped, sexually abused. All these horrible things happen to her that would have broken 90% of the people out there, 95%. But she's in that, and I don't even think it's 5%, but she's in that minority that she was just destined for success no matter what. But I think it's important that when we talk about these issues, we look at what's happening on the larger scale. Now, I'm not in the school, in the public school system in particular. I don't know how many teachers are out there bullying children. I don't know the magnitude of of that situation. But one thing for sure that I've always said is you you as a parent shouldn't expect anybody out there to be your child's biggest advocate other than you. That's your job. That's not a teacher's job. That's not the principal's job, right? It's your job to advocate for your children at all levels. So if you have a teacher, heaven forbid, who is out there bullying your child, you got to stand up and you've got to bring that to the attention of the authorities. And then if they don't deal with it, then you go the next step, which is a legal step. Counseling is actually available in the schools. I had a school teacher while Ms. Brenda was speaking saying it is available in schools. When I went to John Gray, go back and watch that video. They have the behavioral unit for children who have learning difficulties, behavioral difficulties, and so on. A quiet room where if they need to sit in, they can have that space. My point is that space needs to be bigger. It needs to be better resourced, right? So instead of dumping $50 million in a school, $5 million of that, which is going to a professional kitchen that you do not need because the kitchen does not make the cook, Allocate some of these resources even in the existing schools and the existing programs. Why are special needs program um, children at the SIFET campus not getting more of what they need? They're already in the system. So, you know, I, I think that I, I suppose you have to you have to listen to the program from a holistic perspective, right? Even my previous comments about, you know, parents working. Um, because most of us are trying to work not just for ourselves, but for our children so that we can leave them something. But you know what I said this morning? 
Your children have to be worthy of that. They shouldn't be sitting down thinking that, oh, they're going to get something just because my mom and my dad had worked hard. Because that creates complacency, lazy individuals who are entitled. And they know that no matter what they do in life, some of the, some of the most ridiculous people in this country who've had opportunities, who have the right name, the right skin color, right? The right family connections could have had and been anything in the world. You know what they're out there doing? Traveling the world and snorting cocaine. Because they have the luxury of being able to do that. Because once again, they have parents who have spoiled them, going to give them whatever they want, no matter what. And that's going to be their legacy. They have family businesses that if they wanted to work, they could go into the family business. And, and they don't want to do that. They want to live this highfalutin lifestyle as though they have their own reality show. But have a look, folks, at the Yolanda Ford report. We have paid, I don't know how much we paid for this report, but I'm sure it was a good sum. We have paid for the answers of what is the cause of criminality in this country. And Yolanda Ford comes right back to the family unit. Right? That is the expert that is telling you all that this is where the problems begin. It doesn't mean that there's not exceptions out there for people who will not manage to be a success story despite growing up in chaotic, abusive families with people doing the most. But for the vast majority of people, if you're trying to get give them a fighting chance in life, you've got to fix this problem with families. That's where it starts. Teachers are not there to raise your children. <laughs> I mean, teachers can be instrumental in a child's life. They can give them an encouraging word. A lot of times your teachers in your schools are the only safe haven that your children have, sadly enough. During COVID, you know why so many of our children are having mental health issues? Because they had to spend more time at home. Not, not just being locked up in that environment because they're having to spend more time in a chaotic, abusive environment. They don't even have the ability to now, oh my God, at least I can get out for six, seven hours a day and go to school, see other people, see some, have some kind of normalcy in my life. Now they're under the wing of an abusive father, a drug addict mother, a non-caring parent, emotionally absent parent. And that added a degree of stress on your children. Marva, I know you're still there, but there's something specific that you wanted to talk about. So I'm going to give you the opportunity because I do want to get back to the court thing because I've got a couple of videos that I want to pull up, pull up as well. So let's get to the crux of why you're really calling. That's why Marva has been hanging on. It's not that she doesn't have anything else to do today. Um, there is something very specific that she wanted to talk about. Hi, Sandra. Yes. And um, I want to say thanks to that caller that called in. And I hope one day you can make that topic a real topic for the entire morning for your session, because certainly being the PTA president at John Gray High School, being involved in PTAs for the past 28 years and being very involved in the school, I can, I can comment on a lot of what she said. And certainly I agree with a lot that she said, but again, I totally disagree with a lot that she said. But yes, the one thing that I'm calling really about is um, our security officer at John Gray High School. 
And for many of our callers, um, I'm sure that you have graduated from John Gray High School and you probably know who I'm talking about, and that's Mr. Murray. He is the current, um, he's one of the current security officers, but the more senior one at John Gray High School. And he is employed by a business partner of government, one of the contractor companies, which is National Security, and that's who he works for. However, Mr. Murray has been a security officer in the school mm -hmm. for 20 plus years. I cannot nail it down exactly, but it's 20 plus years. My two older daughters are 30 and 29. They came out of John Gray. And yesterday I had a parent say to me, my son is 37. And Mr. Murray was there when my son was at John Gray High School. So that kind of gives you an idea how long this gentleman been in John Gray High School. Mm -hmm. And... I want to make it quite clear because I had a parent come at me yesterday to say that what I'm doing, I'm actually advocating to break the law. I can assure you, I am a law-abiding Canadian citizen, and I'm not advocating to break no law, absolutely, not with work or the Cayman Islands government. What I'm actually coming to the general public about, and I'm crying out for assistance and support right now, is that Mr. Murray has been here all of these years. Yes, he has not obtained PR. Um, he's not one of those that have come here. And, you know, that has been his goal in life is to come here and become a Caymanian or anything. He came here, he's worked as a security officer, namely at John Gray High School all of these years, caring and protecting our children. And now he's down to the point where his work permit is coming up for expiration on Monday. And we do not know the fate of Mr. Murray comes Tuesday. And some may say, well, why are we worried about it? Well, he's, he's actually he getting rolled over is what I understand is happening, right? Yes, he's getting rolled over. Um, and this has been his second rollover, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. However, I'm not now just advocating for him. I've mm -hmm. now gone public with this. But mm -hmm. since 2020 that I rejoined John Gray High School with my last child, and in 2021, I have written to the department and to the ministry saying, hey, listen, let us see what we can do to somehow or the other retain his services, but more directly through the government and keeping him, bringing him out of the contractual services and bringing mm -hmm. him into the government system. This man is the glue of John Gray High School. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. This mm -hmm. man literally knows all of our students by need, past, former, and current students. He knows their parents. This man has been beaten, bones broken, clothes ripped off. He don't mind getting into the mix, but at the end of the day, he's doing his job. But at the end of the day, he cares for our children, and he will walk that line for our children. So all I'm simply saying, and I have been saying for the past, three years. Let's not wait until this dying moment to mm. now try to fix the problem. So even though I've now just gone public with it, I have been fighting since 2021, where once his contract nearly never got renewed and his work permit nearly never got renewed by the company. And I fought for that. And I'm glad to say I fought for that. Mm -hmm. Again, 2022 and 2023, I've written letters saying this is coming up. Let's see what we can do to secure this man mm -hmm. because 
he is integral to his job in the school for not just our students, but for our parents. Our parents are feel safe to know their students and they are under his care, as well as our teachers and leaders in the school. So I've taken it now to the air. I've taken it to our parents. Um, I've reached out to them via the three WhatsApp groups that we have, which is over 800 parents. Mm -hmm. I've sent out polls. And I'm simply saying, if you really value and care him, care for what he does for our children or what he's done even for you, that you went to John Gray, Mm-hmm. Let us advocate. Let us reach out to our ministers. <laughs> Let us reach out to our government and say, what and why haven't you? We've been made promises and told. We're looking after it. And I can tell you that many parents have called me since yesterday and say, you know, Miss Marva, we've actually picked up the phone and called our ministers and our constituents <laughs> and brought in our constituent area and brought this to their attention. And they tell us they're working on it and they're working on it. And of course, we hear all of that all the time. We're working on it. We're getting to it. But guess what? Now we're down to in the next 100 hours on Tuesday morning. Mm. Are we going to see Mr. Murray retained here in Cayman or do we have to roll him out? And I can assure you, rolling him out for one year is detrimental to our school and what our school is faced with. Because we see all of the negative things happening in John Gray. Those things are highlighted, but there's a lot of positive things. So in addition to that, I've gone and I've sat and I've talked to students and I've said to students, if you value Mr. Murray, if you value what Mr. Murray does in this school, I would like you to join the PTA, join your parents, and let us advocate to say to our government, to say to those higher beings up there, please do something to help us to retain Mr. Murray, not just for him to go and work for a security company, because I think he's much more valuable to us than that. As far as I'm concerned, he should be retained and working in the system, working in the government system. And we've asked for it. We have been asking for it. So now Mm -hmm. I know that all what I did yesterday and shared with parents was passed on to CMR. And I don't have a problem coming on CMR and advocating because I'm doing it because I believe in it. And I'm trusting that other people will come on board. And I know a lot of parents now are on board. And we're advocating out there. So I don't know exactly what more I need to do than to do what I'm doing right now. But I have also been doing this for the past three years. And I've been told we're dealing with it. But now we're down to crunch time. So what have you done? And why haven't you gotten back to us to let us know what have you done really to help us and to help our children? Because that's the All end right. of the day. So I think, I think we got you, Marva. We understand the right. assignment. Um, so we do have some people who don't agree with you who say, yeah. and I'm going to read some of the comments because we did get the, like you said yesterday, we did get what you sent in and I want, yeah. I want you to be able to respond to, um, some of what, uh, other people have said. So okay. this person said, um, I don't agree. I'm sure that we can find a command in for the job. I'm not signing it. So he is a Jamaican, um, national. He's been working here for this private security company. Um, do you not feel that there is a Caymanian out there who could do just as good of a job as Mr. Murray? Absolutely. I'm not saying that there are not Caymanians out there. But what I'm saying is that, and maybe this person is not aware of, all of the schools, are, their security officers are contracted through a company. So it's not that the government has hired security officers and they've been in the system. And yes, there is a gentleman right now 
that has been hired directly through the government system that is head of security there at the school. However, again, you know, he's a Jamaican national that has worked his way up to his position. I mean, he's been in the job for some 20 something years. So obviously he's had a working relationship, as you say, with a lot of the students. There is that legacy of working with the school, the students, the parents. But Mm -hmm. the company that they contract, I can assure you, if you find one or two Caymanians that are officers in the company that come to work, and I listen here, I'm not here now this morning to cue things up because that's Mm -hmm. not what it has been about. I have had concerns even about the services that have been provided to our school by this company. When I joined John Gray in 2020, at the old site, we had a closely around about 1,100 students. At that time, we only had nine security officers working. You all know the old site that is now being demolished. And, in, in, um, you know, the, the old, um, not the one out by Walker's Road. I'm talking about the one to the left of the new John Gray High School. And that site is a huge campus. There was only, at that time, there were only nine officers working there. Out of the nine, there were only two female officers. And this was in 2020 when I joined John Gray, 2021. Mm-hmm. I advocated nine officers to 1,100 students. That's crazy. I advocated for them, not saying that nine officers may not be effective. But think about it. The campus was so huge. We only had two females and the rest were male. And we pretty much got a 50-50 ratio. So I advocated, then we need more officers. So yes, the increase went up mm-hmm. from nine. I think it went to 11, probably sometime in 2021, going mm-hmm. into 22. And then we moved over to the new school. Again, it was not effective because guess what? Over in the old new school, and you can FOI this information, or anybody want to do it. Mm-hmm. In the new school, we have literally nearly 1,300 students in the new John Gray High School. And right now we are contracted for 14 officers, and they are days whereby we may have, when the time comes for security officers to show up for work, 7 o'clock, we may only have nine officers on duty. They eventually will come in, but guess what? We're mm-hmm. talking about every day, every week, we have a rollover of pattern of different officers being dropped into the school. That is not effective for a school of 13 hundred students. Officers need to come in just like teachers. You need to build a relationship. You need to build a rapport. We have, and I can assure you, like I said, there are different nationalities coming there. I mean, there's so much barriers of the in, of those individuals coming in. So personally, I don't feel the, the services of this company is even effective enough for what they're giving us into the school. Mm-hmm. And this is what I have been complaining about to the department and to the ministry. So it's not just a matter of Mr. Murray, it's the whole service overall. But my focus is on Mr. Murray because of him having 20 plus years a relationship with the school. Mm-hmm. Can we not try, and we should have done this maybe a long time ago. All right. Well, I think Mr. Murray is um, going to be coming up. I mean, if he's been there for 20 years, he's probably coming up in retirement age soon anyway. So there's also the question of of what is the contingency plan as it relates to Mr. Murray um, and that position, not not him specifically, but 
you know, what is going to be the position when he's no longer available. By all accounts, everybody says, yes, he's a wonderful guy. He's doing a great job. We've got the poll up on the screen, folks. Um, go ahead and vote in the poll. So should Cayman Islands government save Mr. Murray from rollover is the question and essentially keep him in his job. Um, Dr. Can I say one, yes. one comment in regards to what you just said? Mr. Yep. Murray's in his 40s. Not that I'm out there putting his personal life out there. Should I tell you how young he came here? And he, yes. So Mr. Murray is, is still a bit off from from retirement age. Mm -hmm. And if we want to talk about retirement age, about persons in the school, now that's a whole different subject altogether but yeah no let, let's 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 together. do your poll and i do want to get back to the yeah. some of the stuff with the judiciary um so there are yeah. people saying i don't agree with the caller at all her points are weak um <laughs> another person says um uh life is about different chapters the security guard can leave john gray high school and people come and go it's time for him to go because that's what marva is pushing to keep the security guard what what is to stop us from doing this with everyone who is due for rollover? It's the effectiveness of the individual. And you know, in fact, I can say this. Yesterday, I even had a parent challenge me and said that the purpose of, our, of us doing this is not even purposeful. It's like, you know what the parent literally said to me? That we, there are bigger fishes that we should be focusing on and we should be focusing in on petitioning out there for cost of living increases and all of this sort of stuff. And I said to them, I go, hey, listen, this is a different platform. As a human being and as a citizen of the Cayman Islands, I do focus on those points, but I'm not going to bring it in, mix it into a school forum. And yes, we need to do it. And I said, but guess what? Somebody else said there's plenty of people here for a long time and they get rolled over all two, three times. They're not so sure that this warrants. Um... Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's leave it to the people. We got a poll yes. up. The question is, Thank should you. the Cayman Islands government save Mr. Murray? Thank you uh, very much, Marva. Should they save You're him? Um, go vote in the poll. I've also shared the um, the poll link. Um, Gabby says George Hicks. Um, Alejandro says, for sure, if they replace Mr. Murray, they'll be losing the icon of the hallways. And I'm sure if Mr. Murray is around, he can identify when or if a fight or anything that the student should be doing uh, in a heartbeat and prevent it before anything happens. So um, I don't, I mean, I don't really, <laughs> I don't feel strongly about this in any particular way. I can certainly understand the arguments that if someone's been there a long time and they do have this rapport and, and they're an asset to the school. But my only question is what's the contingency plan? What happens if poor Mr. Murray goes out there tomorrow and gets hit by a bus? Hopefully not a school bus, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to put my goat mouth on him. But my point is anything can happen to anyone at any time and no one should be, um, everybody's replaceable. And so people retire, people leave, people, you know, do all these sorts of things. Um, caller, good morning. Yeah, morning, Sunday. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to put a little point out for you with Mr. Murray because Mr. Murray, mm -hmm. I know Mr. Murray really well. He dealt with me six, six years, basically, in high school. and. Um, let me tell you one thing. That guy, he is more in tune with the students and mm -hmm. the teachers alike mm -hmm. in that school than any other security guard in there. When I could, when I could get in a fight, and when Mister Punjabi, the other officer that was in there um, at his time as well, 
at my time as well. He was an Indian officer. Mm-hmm. And if he was trying to part me up with a fight, he couldn't contain me. I would have had an elbow in his face a long time. Mm-hmm. But when Mr. Murray is there, we have a, a respect, a mutual respect with Mr. Murray. It's a respect between the children, the students. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's a very important respect and um, res- re- um, relationship that he mm-hmm. had with the students that where the students were at the best behavior when he was around, at least when he was around. Mm-hmm. And I think that... So let me ask you like a question. Murray, yes, sir. Go ahead. Um, I mean, John Gray's still having a lot of fights. So what accounts for that? Is it because he's not around with well, the other five or 10 fights a day? Well, Mr. Murray is only one man. Yes. And let me true. tell you this, uh, uh, at this point, look at, at this point, if they, leave, if, they, if they think that the solution is to get rid of Mr. Murray and bring in some Caymanian officers, well, mm-hmm. at least think of this. If they're going to get rid of Mr. Murray, give him another five years so he can train some good Caymanians. So he can train some good Caymanians before they release him. Mm-hmm. Because if Mr. Murray does not want to leave his job, I don't see the reason why he should. If he loves the job that he's doing, he's doing a great job at it. It's just the officers that are there mm-hmm. need to stop being so, so, so darn ignorant. And listen to children as well, mm-hmm. because Mr. Murray used to sit down and talk with the children. You talk about a guidance counselor. He mm-hmm. was every one of them at the same time. He was a teacher. He was a guidance counselor. He was a supporter. He was everything that you could have think of as a security guard in this island. And I can tell you what, if he was the head of the police service, I can guarantee that this island might have probably been in a better situation. Huh? Yeah, with the crime. But, but, but to defend Mr. Murray, I believe that it should not be that he gets a rollover and there mm-hmm. should be that he be a trainer of a, of a new recruitment of security officers. And if it's a solution to bring in Caymanian officers, encourage the Caymanian officers to listen to Mr. Murray and take his take notes and take notes and, and go by how he do his work, not what he's doing, you know, how he do his work. Because Mr. Murray had a good communication with the, with the children. That's mm-hmm. coming from me. I was, right. I was in school. I graduated 2010. Mm-hmm. So just think about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks very much. All right. All right. Mr. All right. Arlene Manzanares, good morning. Morning, morning, everyone. Um, I I, I, before you get started, ma'am, I did hear you were visiting um, our beautiful island for Christmas, but um, I never got <laughs> to see you. And Hello. I'm back in the cold. I'm yes, ma'am. And I, and I heard yes. them people mess with your cakes so, when they were trying to go back too. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, I get news from all over, oh you know, even God. Miami. Oh my God. <laughs> I heard yes, they cut up your cake cakes, in my, girl. In the party. Jeez, oh um, peace. I tell yes. you. With Jamaica neighbors. Then I eat, then I easy. Okay. I'm <laughs> like, not the cakes. No. Oh my God. I can't believe you heard that. Oh yeah. Anyway, I get news all over the world, honey child. I, I like to tell. <laughs> So I had this um input or question. Why is it if, if Mr. Murray has been, I don't know him personally, I've heard a lot of good things. Yes. Um if he's been in Cayman for over 25, where is the residence, permanent residence? Somebody else was he asking that too. Why hasn't he applied for PR? Why is he still on exactly? So you have to be thinking about these things. So these some people are just here for being here. They don't mm-hmm. invest. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything to stabilize their stay, and 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 you know contribute in other ways. Yes, he's contributed in that way. But what about property investments? Anything like that? So I just had that as a as a question in my mm-hmm. mind that at this stage he being there so being there so long he shouldn't 
It's probably one of those situations, given the job that he's in, um, you know, it's hard to to probably make more than $6 an hour in security. And so he probably just hasn't, you know, been able to acquire anything to go to that next step. Yeah, that's true too. But then that was just my question because being there so long, I would think, you know, um, I, uh, he would at least be stable now. Oh, geez, I'm pleased. Somebody because, said Murray can't yeah. invest because Murray has four to eleventeen children to support at home. Okay, there we go. Bye bye. They say there I know. They say I know Murray. Kaboom! 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 That answers right, that question. You. I mean, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy, y'all. Naizina, where's my kaboom? What? 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 Wait a minute. Where's my kaboom button? Hmm. Where's my kaboom button? I think um. Hold on here now. What show is this? The Cold Hard Truth. Oh my lord. I don't want to be messing with no buttons, Lena. <laughs> y'all notice today we've been good. We changed out a cable last night. I tell y'all, I thought it was the cable. Oh my this this profile doesn't have my kaboom button. No, I gotta get it back. Um anyway. Yes, honey chill. There you go. Somebody say they know him. They work in the school system. What a hot mess. Um Lavana says, what does um so what if everyone uh that is due to roll over does this? I'm just gonna let them stay here. Question mark. Let him share his skills, says Monique. Uh, Miss Margley, good morning. Says the reason I agree uh, they keep Mr. Murray is because he will only be replaced with another expat. No commander will get that job. Let's wait and see. Well, to be very, very clear here, folks, um, the position, which is security guard, we don't know very many um, commandants who are going to work security guard jobs, especially for companies who are going to just pay you minimum wage. I mean, let's be honest with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get back to the court discussion, but please vote. No, he went down and rolled over to spend time with his daughter. He has two girls, says Allison. Susan says, good morning, Sandra, and to the beautiful Cayman Islands. It's a real pleasure to vote for Mr. Murray to remain at John Gray High School. I have, um, annoying Mr. Murray. I have knowing Mr. Murray for many years while my daughters and son attend John Gray High School. And many days he kept them in line for me when I was not there to do so. So I say heads up to Mr. Murray this morning and I wish him all the success and I wish him the best. And I pray that these governments will retain him at John Gray High School. Live says if they do it for one, they must do it for all. Uh, <laughs> Aliana says, wait, what you say? Mm -hmm. Moya says, good question caller. He should have applied for permanent residency. If not, he should not be exempt from the rollover process. And I'm sure he has already gone through a rollover process. Uh, what makes this time different? Having said that, that's one of the reasons a lot of people try to get into a government job is because they know that there is no rollover in government. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of the courts, when they changed over last year, they made a change where they now have their own security detail, their own officers, um, so they're no longer using a security company, but the security company that they had been using lost a lot of their staff 
to the court office. They're now basically, um, I think they fall under like an element of police, but just for the courts, because the court said we need our own security. And so they poached them from the security officers who had already been working there in that environment um, for, you know, the positions. Um, Ms. Brenda says maybe because he's not working in the white collar category, he doesn't, he didn't or doesn't qualify. Uh, maybe the best option based on his valuable contributions, the government should hire him. Live says, ouch. Uh, Akina says, does that mean that all those kids are coming soon as well? Strong Wilt says, uh, hi, Sandy. Kisses go by favorites. Is it favorites or favors? I thought it, the saying is kisses go by favors, but maybe it's favorites too. I don't know. I know a security officer who was working with a security company. He was rolled over, went to Jamaica, quit his job, and A.L. Thompson's hired him, and he's still working in Jamaica for A.L. Thompson's now. A.L. Thompson's is in Jamaica? That's the part of this story that I'm finding confusing. He's back from rollover and working with A.L. Thompson's. Tell me if they didn't find, if they couldn't find a key man in for the job. This is so wrong. Um... I mean, I don't necessarily know that there are a lot of Caymanians knocking on doors for security jobs. So I don't know. Gabriella says they should try applying for PR for him instead of worrying about rollover. Denver, good morning, says caller, there's some quality people in our islands that just want to be here and work here that have no desire to have PR or status. Well, then they have to know that they're subject to rollover. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Rough season says, I know one thing. If I was to become a security guard in high school, they'd have to give me a taser and a baton. Miss Susan said, Mr. Murray's personal business has nothing to do with what is happening to him this morning um, of his permit. And it does not stop him to perform in his Judas, I think he meant job, at John Gray High School. His personal business is not the issue. He has done well over the years, and he has been in John Gray High School. So to hear that the comments about the man, I think the comments, Susan, was simply because the question was asked, why hasn't he applied for PR? And the response that the person who's listening, who is in the schools, says he can't invest because there is normally an investment requirement to get points for PR. They said he can't invest because he has four to 11 children to support at home. That's the only point that they were making. So, you know, they're given a reason to answer the question. All right. Morning, Keisha. Um, it is kisses go by favors, right? I didn't think it was favorites, but there you go. Uh, Miss Pat says there's another Mr. Murray. He's an excellent counselor and <clears throat> the founder of Boys to Men. Yeah, that's a different Mr. Murray. He's actually a counselor and teacher. Good morning, caller. Uh, good morning, Sandy. Um, first of all, I, I, I'm anxiously waiting for, for, for you to talk about the judiciary. Yes. Maybe I might have something to say about that. <laughs> but having said that, I'm also interested in what you are talking about now. So I just thought I should chime in with a short call. Mm -hmm. Now, you see, with a lot of... Um, you see, the, these are personal things, right? Mm -hmm. And this person clearly is is very, very popular. When you when you can get people from the teacher side mm -hmm. to a former student, you know, saying, "Look, this guy is special," and they are just people who are special like that. And sometimes mm -hmm. you hate the law to apply to them. 
But you see, having worked in government, advised on the law and the policy and so on, the problem that we usually had with cases such as this one mm -hmm. is that you, you have to craft a rule. Mm -hmm. You have to craft a rule which is going to apply across the board. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that rule might have exceptions, yes. but you want the exceptions also to be clearly defined, not just because other people like you. Because one, it's unfair if you are going to say, well, this guy is nice, the people like him, the other guy, they didn't like him, so he has to go. You have to be able to say on the basis of these criteria, he, 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 he qualifies. And that's where I see the problem here. If you, and then also you could wind up with a legal problem, you see. Uh, you, you studied administrative law. There's a principle known as legitimate expectation. Mm -hmm. uh, there are cases where if you establish a policy, like let us imagine here, they say, well, because there's been a petition of people and they like him, and therefore it was decided that he should stay. Mm -hmm. The next person who is rolled over will also go there and mm -hmm. say, well, I have a legitimate expectation. Clearly, mm -hmm. the, I, I'm more so popular. Then it becomes a problem. Yes. And I think that's where the problem is. So yes. I don't want to say they should or they shouldn't do it, but uh -huh. just to define that this is the problem public authorities sometimes yes. I thought I should chime in on that. Thank you so much. Thank That's you. a good point. I appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. Bye-bye. Um, yes. Um, I, and, and that's a very fair and good point. Of course, that's the lawyer speaking. And I completely understand what he says. And I think a lot of you are getting the point in layman's terms when you say, well, if we do it for him, are we then prepared to do it for everybody else as well? Because there is an expectation of fair application of the law um, across the board. So, you know, you can't, you can't have partial application. That just doesn't work. <laughs> so, yes, I, I get the point. And I think that, um, remember when the rollover was actually introduced, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm all for the rollover, but not for my helper because I need her. You know, she's special. Well, <laughs> everybody's special to you when you need them. But, you know, if if we say, generally speaking, that this is a policy that's good for the people of the Cayman Islands to have people roll over. And the whole point of the rollover is so that people don't have a, again, throwing out a legal term there, a legitimate expectation of being able to um, acquire status because of the length of time that they've been here. Because that's the thing. Y'all like, no, we don't want anybody else getting status. So we want them to go through a very limited scope right? To be able to get to PR and eventually status and blah, blah, blah. Of course, that led, led to the rise in all these fake marriages and that sort of thing as well. Um, but it was good for the goose. It was good for the gander. There's another question. So Natasha asks, can he even afford to retire in Cayman? Will he become another NAU recipient? As realistically, Cayman is very expensive to retire. And will he become a burden later, including his dependents? Susan says, um, yes, they're making a point that he has so many children at home. What I'm saying is this is what's making, what's happening in this country today. We're turning around when we have a good thing where they're criticizing it. Well, I think that people are looking at the picture holistically. So it is a fair question. Because if he gets PR and then he gets the status, he then has a right, if he has 411 children, he has a right in law to bring his 411 children with him. So you can't just think about him in his singular capacity. 
You've got to expand the scope of, you know, what is his future? Um, and if you're happy to bring him and his four Levantine children, and then you're happy to make those exceptions for everybody that you like and that is a good worker or a phenomenal worker like Mr. Murray, then let's just say that that's what it's going to be. Let's not beat around the bush. You can't have your cake and eat it too. That's all I'm saying. You know, so if that's what you want, then that's what you want. But don't complain when you have somebody else now in that position um, and you start crying, but no, 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 no. We got too many here now. We don't. What's the difference? There is a sense of equality that um, should, you know, bring some balance to the conversation. Um, Brenda says that rollover clause when introduced had an exception clause. This is to be done all the time for a certain category of people even when they don't deserve it. Well, it was introduced later on because people were complaining that no, 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 you can't get rid of my helper who works for my special need kid. Cause that's a very different kind of relationship and situation. And it's not easy to find people in those jobs to begin with. And if you've had someone who's been with a special needs child, for example, um, for the past five or seven years, it is very, very difficult to introduce a complete stranger back into that child's life. But like I said, you also have to consider that, you know, life will throw you a, a curveball. How many people have had the best helper in the world? And they go back to Jamaica and they get sick, they get COVID, they drop down dead, they have a heart attack, they get shot, whatever. Something happens to them, their the parents get sick, they can't come back home. You know, these things happen. And so you have to appreciate that there's no such thing as someone who's not replaceable. Somebody says, I've just voted no. Another person says he doesn't even have K-Man contributions. Time for him to go and spend some time with his family. Um, what a hot mess. Morning, caller. Yeah, sounding me again. Mm-hmm. Boy, you know, when you think about it, if the, the German Nazis would have been peaceful, this is how it would be. You know, I think mm-hmm. that the... I think that the the situation that's going on, right? Mm-hmm. It should be it should be that we all help each other this way. So if I was to make a decision and um I like that idea and no one else likes it, but it's working, mm-hmm. does it matter if you like it or not? Mm-hmm. Right, because I, I, I believe if we do have a collective amount of people that have positions on this island that respect the island regardless of which nationality they are. They're very important here. And if they feel like they want to make a family here, hey, if we can grow good breed, that would be great for this Mm -hmm. island. Because we have a lot of bad breeds here. And Mm -hmm. that's, I'm not discriminating anything, but there is a lot of people on this island that only know how to take and not to give hmm. okay now, now if we do have a Christian community like we do have here in this island we have how much um, churches about 300 maybe and if you think about it how the government is made if they're all Christian based communities why are we treating each other evil think about that is it a cult because my ideas don't fit yours. Mm. Right? How are we supposed to be a diverse country if we can't even live as an island? 
Okay. Yeah, Miss Sandy, what I'm trying to say, right, is mm-hmm. Juliano O'Connor Connolly mm-hmm. is the best listener in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> right? No, I'm saying, look. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hello. Right? Uh-huh. And if she Ladies is Sandra. the best listener in the um, Cayman Islands, why one is second, One second, Mr. Murray. We just finished up another call. Yes, um, Alejandro. Yeah, why isn't she communicating with us? Is she listening or is she just hearing us? Well, let me let me be clear. Just because she won an award for woman listener does not mean that she is the best listener. There's a difference. So what right, happened right. is she won an award. Right. Yeah. Self-praise. You know, right. start let's praising yourself. Let's leave, let's, leave close to the devil. let's leave it there, my dear. Just as close to the devil as it can be. I'm sorry, but I, I, I respect her. <laughs> She's my. She's one of the elders. Uh-huh. The elders, not my elder, though. Yes. Okay. Huh? Okay. All right. Let Let me run through. Um... <coughs> oh Lord, have mercy. Um. So somebody says that he only has one daughter, and she's in New York, and she's a big child now. Somebody said, well, that's not what he told me. I bucked Murray when he was reposted in Hurley's and we were catching up and he has a grown daughter in New York, but he also has other children in Jamaica. So I mean, it would make sense why he hasn't invested just going off of what he told me. If he was lying to me, then why one would have to wonder why would he lie? Um, so, I mean... <laughs> Hot tamales. Um, so this person says he's only making, he's making less than a thousand dollars every two weeks and being supportive um, to his uh, two daughters and son. Mm, what a hot mess. Um, so the suggestion is that he works f- for national security now and government should take over um, his contract. Anyway, vote in the poll folks. Uh, Moya says we should not be making more loopholes in our laws. Loopholes is one of the major issues that our courts are facing now. Let's get back to the courts. Um, All right. So a couple really, really important announcements that were made yesterday that I think are certainly worth sharing with you guys. So I've got some videos here and I do want to, um, to share these with you. First of all, um, there was the announcement that JPs, their justices of the peace, will be trained, and they have already been doing training, <clears throat> to be able to now perform duties um, limit and limited function as uh, magistrates, including like traffic, which traffic offenses tend to be um, pretty straightforward. Usually they're strict liability offenses, and either, either you did it or you didn't kind of thing, right? <clears throat> so... Um, Let's have a look and listen to this video on this accomplishment. Reintroduction of JPs in the summary court. That was another one of our strategic priorities. I'm happy to say uh, we are well on the way. And if you look to my right and against that wall, we have the largest part of the JP cohort that is a pilot group uh, for, for sitting in the summary court. Uh, we have been seeking to identify the best sort of training to equip them for their roles. They have had a course of familiarization with the courts and court process, first observing proceedings from the gallery and then from the bench, 
and I'm happy to report none of them observe proceedings from the dock. <coughs> this is always reassuring. Um, the magistrates have devoted a lot of time mentoring the JPs. I did not pass on to the magistrates all the expressions of gratitude I received. So I do so now publicly. In 2024, justices of the peace sitting in a summary court will become a reality. They will be deployed in a traffic court, which will relieve the magistrates of a significant amount of their current caseload. Uh, we will need additional court space because we are talking about return days of 100 or 120 people. It cannot be accommodated in the courts that we have now, except for court five, when the FSC is not sitting. The DPP very kindly offered to help with designing and delivering in conjunction with the courts some mock trials and role plays. He looks slightly surprised. If he didn't offer, I'm sure he will now. <laughs> and training in this regard will continue for the first half of 2024. All right, so um, this is interesting. She said the reintroduction, because it's something apparently that they used to do. Um, that was before my time, I guess, being interested in what's happening in the courts. Uh, it's not uncommon, actually, for in a number of jurisdictions that this is the case. Um, even in Jamaica, for example, they do have um, chief magistrates who, um, not chief magistrates, my apologies, JPs, who are an integral part of the summary court system and they act as like acting magistrates and stuff like that. It helps um, to alleviate some of the um, some of the issues there. So YouTuber says, was Mr. Murray trying to call on the show? That was a different Mr. Murray, but he was trying to speak to me privately. <laughs> so I'll speak to him off air. So that's one of the big things that's being rolled out um, in 2024. Uh, I can see that this show is going to go into the discussion of the court and some of the changes will flow over to tomorrow's show because we've only got 15 minutes left in today's program. I see some rain outside. Um, let's get an update now on um, family court. And this is quite interesting because apparently a number of, um, well, I'll have you listen to what the, what the Chief Justice said, and then we can discuss it. Family Division, Richard, sorry, as Mr. Justice Williams to you. Mr. Justice Williams has reported to me that it's an ex not an extremely busy year. 355 new files are opened. Uh, it is clear to me from the report prepared by my learned brother that the prospect for marriage in the Cayman Islands remains. Hello, caller. Sandra. Mm -hmm. You know, a thought just occurred to me. Mm -hmm. You know, those shows like Judge Judy and, um, you know, like the People's Court and things, some of them are not real judges. Those are like lawyers or people who agree to binding arbitration. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Why you don't put on a show of your own? <laughs> Lord have mercy. You don't think I have enough? You don't think I have enough to court. do? <laughs> Ma Road Court? Uh, we, we're in the court of public court. opinion. Do you not know this there already? You see it, see it, see it title there already. There you go. You're already halfway there. Come on, Sandra. <laughs> I would view that. You guys would agree to binding Bye. arbitration? Oh, that's funny, though. Bye. That is funny. Court is now in session. Hey, you know what? I already have my gavel and everything. You know, listen to me. There you go. All you we need to we put ready. Your wig on. Put on my little wig. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, in summary court, they don't have to wear wigs, so we don't necessarily have to wear a wig. But thank you, caller. Yeah, ma'am. 
All right, folks. That is funny. Binding arbitration. Hmm. I mean, I, I got my gavel and everything right here. All right, folks. Decision made. Honey, chill. <laughs> that is so funny. All right, let's continue to hear what uh, the Chief Justice said about uh, family court. Siobhan said, Lord have mercy. Means women. He advises me that 200 certificates of dissolution were granted, <laughs> up from 251. I did have a gander at a website where I could find out uh, the number of marriages, and they seem to be holding steady at around 670 per annum. So we're not quite half yet. But I will say this, and as an aside, that according to one online aggregator, Cayman had the fifth, Pastor, you're listening? <laughs> Cayman had the fifth highest divorce rate in the world. Russia was number one, and the USA was number six. But Governor, we can't believe anything we read online. <laughs> So I'm not raising the alarm yet, but that's just a report from one online aggregator. I think the people have woken up again. The statistics show, however, uh, that a number of family matters remain before the court awaiting resolution. And this has been driven in large part by an unusual number of contested hearings um, of unusual length. And although my sisters Richards and Carter, and I must say, they're not my sisters, much in the way of Masons, or perhaps that's a bad analogy. We refer to each other as brother and sister. So my sisters, uh, Richards and Carter, and I all assist in the family division. The truth is that Justice Williams is the only permanent member of that court. And it may soon be time to consider adding capacity to that division as well. The number of matters that remain before the court awaiting resolution is, not con is, is concerning not only because it is the mission of the family division to assist people in ending their marriage in the most efficient and fair way possible, but also because we would like to do so with the least amount of conflict. No divorce should be a pyrrhic victory with, from which both parties lived hopelessly scathed by the process. The court deplores a scorched earth approach to family litigation that sees the largest part of the marital estate eaten up by legal fees, okay? If it is not for the sake of the parties, then it should at least be for the sake of their children who are the ones who suffer the emotional fallout from a hostile and hard fought divorce. So mediation, has become an integral part of our family court procedures. And I want to speak to the mediation today because I think it shows the, the way forward. It is successful in that court and it shows a way forward too for us in the civil court. But let me just speak to the mediation in the family court and pay tribute in particular to the mediator, Ms. Leslie Talbot. She has led mediation in the family court for the last four years. Leslie has proved an exceptionally well-skilled mediator whose mediated agreements have put many parents on a far better footing for long-term cooperation, both with respect to children and with respect to financial arrangements. 
She has helped numerous parties resolve what may have at first glance appeared to be irreconcilable disputes. She has an outstanding success rate in assisting parents with reaching acceptable agreements. And my, my, my learned brother reports that mediation was able to achieve 104 fully settled cases and only 11 are, remain partially settled and uh, we consider those will be settled before the end of the first quarter many of you here and i'm looking at uh, mr mcgrath one of our acting magistrates uh, many of you here have worked with leslie with council um, in the mediation process and can speak to the value of mediation in court proceedings and speak particularly to to leslie's All right, folks. So, um, couple First things. Thing. Oh, sorry. Attributes that have contributed, I think, in the greatest part to the success of the of the program. And I say that because I have to announce that Leslie is retiring this year. And while we know normally, as I said, note retirements at the opening ceremony after they have taken place. She has been so exceptional and her contribution, uh, my, uh, my, my brother says, to the family vision, so extraordinary that I feel compelled to, to, to take the opportunity today to recognize her, even if I have to do it again next year after she has retired. Um, she, the, the work she has done uh, to, and the contribution she has made to the courts and to the families that she has helped through what is if you've been divorced, a difficult period of transition uh, has been exceptional and we want to say thank you and that she will be missed. I then take the opportunity now, riding on that, to welcome Ms. Chanda Glidden, who will be succeeding Leslie as a family mediator. And we are confident she will not only build on Leslie's legacy, no pressure, Chanda, uh, but develop her own as she too is a highly skilled mediator who has already been working with Leslie for some time. All right. So um, some very, very interesting things there. I don't know who Miss Leslie is, but Jamila says Miss Leslie was amazing with my mediation. So congrats to her. Um, she does seem to have quite an amazing uh, record of helping people. You know, going through a divorce can't be the easiest thing in the world. Interesting that we supposedly have the, we're on the list for the fifth highest divorces in the entire world. I don't quite know about that, but anyway, I mean, I think the U.S. is about 50-50 uh, with their divorces. So we'll see, honey, Chiel. But um, what I would say is that um, <laughs> we need a lot of family uh, premarital counseling before we even get to that stage, because maybe some of these marriages could be avoided. And then if you avoid the marriage, you avoid the divorce. <laughs> so that's how that works. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, Justice Williams being um, one of the few or the only permanent uh, person in the family court segment. So she's saying that now it might be time to look at uh, additional capacity as it relates to, you know, the family division, because they're not going down, I suppose, in number, um, you know, seems to be going up and we have to anticipate the increase as more and more people, I suppose, are here. 
some of these divorces can be extremely uh, complex and, and so forth as well. Uh, big announcement there in case you missed it towards the end. She said that um, Shanda Glidden, who is, um, I think she's an attorney as well as um, she's a life coach and other staff member. She was over at um, Rooster. She was the last host that they had over there for their talk. What was it called again? What was the show called? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, what was the talk show called again? Anyway, you know which one I'm talking about over in Rooster. So she was the last person to have hosted that. And then once they shut that down, um, but I do know she has her own life coach business that she was doing for a while and she has been doing mediation and she's actually apparently been training under this Miss Leslie. So she is now crosstalk. Thank you, John and Belika. Could not remember it. Um, so she has uh, been training under Miss Leslie with a view to actually taking that role on. So that's good, Kaymanian. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. We've got about four minutes left in the program. And there is something that I want to say. Tomorrow, we want to talk about um, the performance-based, um, she talked about performance-based budget. I wish government would understand what a performance-based budget means. The power of the purse. They've got a new communications officer. There really is quite a bit administratively organizing the courts and stuff that um, R Margaret Ramsey has now done. And so let me say this. I think that when you have, and no shade to the previous, to her predecessor who was there for at least 20 something years, but when you have a woman who is capable, intelligent, hardworking, has gone through the ropes, has, has put in the groundwork, has done what she needs to do, to be where she is. This can be a very, very powerful asset to organizations and to countries, right? So notice all the caveats that I put in there beforehand. You can't be entitled and just jump up like some of these MPs and just want a job and like, oh, people must just give me something. That's not what I'm talking about here. You've done the time, you've done the work, you put in, you've gotten the experience, et cetera, et cetera. Having her in this leadership position has already netted, I think the courts, a lot of real positive changes and benefits. And so we see things administratively happening. We see a move to make um, you know, court <clears throat> files and documents a little bit more accessible online. You know, they're gonna have a social media presence. They've hired a communications officer. Um, you know, they're doing <clears throat> quite a bit, training JP. Somebody said that, in fact, JPs previously used to work in the, um, they used to work in the uh, juvenile courts and help with that. So, um, yes, caller. I I know you, Sandy, you're about to sign off, so I'll I'll, I'll try to be as brief as possible. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very interesting that they they want to uh, allow JPs to sit more or less as magistrates. I think in other places they are called lay magistrates. Mm -hmm. Very interesting in the sense that when I came to Cayman, uh, they, they, I, I thought it was very advanced in that everybody in legal jobs was lawyers, you know, mm -hmm. because when I went to law school more than 40 years ago, in England, they were still doing this, but people in England were against it. Mm -hmm. But I found that in Ontario also, in Ontario is also, they have justices of the peace who are not lawyers who still sit. In Ontario, mm -hmm. two years ago, they appointed about 44 justices of the peace and the majority of those were not, were not lawyers so that's good mm. but i think what they need to think about as well 
is whether uh, paralegals can now be allowed also to appear before the justices of the peace. Because mm. I know a lot of paralegals who, are, who used to be in the judiciary, they know how to do a lot of things, but they, they, they can't be licensed to be able mm -hmm. to go to court. I think that will be very well complement that as well, but that I can develop mm -hmm. another time. But finally, about family matters also, and I, I agree with you, by the way, that the Cayman Judiciary has done a lot on the administrative side. I've got a problem with the accountability side, but that's a discussion for another time. One little point, the last, last one on the family matters. Another thing that could help in addition to uh, mediation is in Ontario, they have a mandatory program. When you file a divorce mm -hmm. uh, and the other person answers, both of you are supposed to go for a session. This is not mediation. This is a, like a classroom thing where they bring mm -hmm. social workers and lawyers who will tell you to temper your expectations and give you a little bit of the law because it helps you to start now sort of being soft enough to be able to meet mediation. A mandatory program, which is a kind mm -hmm. of a seminar for about two hours. I should just leave it there. But those are some of the things that could also be done. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks very much. So the conversation continues tomorrow, folks, 7.30 a.m. Please tune in. I saw some comments come in um, in relation to uh, things earlier in the show. I'll read some of those. I think, you know, these are not discussions that we have sort of in silo and we just forget about it and move on. This is an ongoing um, discussion. Somebody says Chief Ramsey is a goat. Uh, another person says, um, duh, 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 duh. proud of Miss Ramsey. She even provided the objectives she achieved also compared to the ones before. So uh, lots of work to be done in the judiciary, but I think she's off to a good start. <clears throat> and we will certainly be keeping an eye on it. So tomorrow we'll talk about a few additional things in relation to that. We'll also um, talk about scammers because we are back in full, thing, full swing for 2024. And of course, Fridays tends to be our Consumer Friday day. So if you've got a problem, WhatsApp us, message us, and we're going to try to help you guys out with those issues as well. Okay, good people. Have a fantastic day. We will catch you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 